Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 5 That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Big 
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. <clears throat> I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is November 9th, 2015. It's Monday. It's about seven minutes after noon Pacific time. If that's all when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live, which means you can participate in the show, 800 932 1980 or you can go to the chat room which is located at our website theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com I've got a couple of emails about the chat room people are uh, if I understand this correctly they are trying to use their Oh, old name. Now you're gonna have to uh you're gonna have to re sign up. Okay, you're gonna have to re sign up because everybody's password and username was lost. Okay, I had to reinstall the chat room, which means everybody has to start over again and just uh open and you know, <laughs> enter Instead of entering your name and your password, enter your name, your password, and your email address, and then, boom, you're re-signed up again. And now, you after that, you just use your name and your password. But if you try, now listen, if you try to use your old username and password and click, you know, let me in or whatever it says, and it tells you, sorry, you know, you don't have an account. Then you go try to make an account with that name and that password. It's going to tell you it's already in use. Okay? You're going to have to come back later because what it does is it takes that name and password and, and says, hmm, this is suspect. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you're trying to get in, but you're not. You don't have an account, so we're just going to put this off to the side. Nobody gets to use it for a while. That's what happens, so, you know, just go in and, uh, you know, start a new account, which is, you know, your username and password. 
That's all I can tell you, because that's just the way it is. I didn't have a choice. It's the only way I knew how to fix it. So, it is fixed, it does run, and it is located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You can also contact me privately through Yahoo Instant Messenger. Okay? My screen name is AVRN Talk. All right. Well, let's see. Now, uh, we've got a little, uh, this isn't really huge news. It's just interesting to me because, uh, it's about Mars. In the latest in a series of announcements about Mars, NASA delivered new findings on the red planet's atmosphere over a live stream on Thursday. The agency said that Mars was once warm and wet, but had its atmosphere stripped away by solar wind. Well, now, there you go. Why is this interesting? Well, I we'll see here. NASA's Mars Atmosphere and Volatile Evolution spacecraft began orbiting Mars for the purpose of examining its atmosphere in unprecedented detail. At 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, NASA launched a live stream in which they revealed new findings from MAVEN and took, suge- uh, took questions from social media and by phone call. The scientists revealed that Solar winds created climate change at the red planet, leading to the erosion of Mars's atmosphere. Now, oh, solar winds created what? Solar winds? Well, now, wait a minute. Your SUV can't possibly be blamed on solar winds, and I really doubt farting cows in California can be blamed on solar winds, and if that's what created global climate change on Mars, uh, gee, maybe it's having some effect here. MAVEN has been orbiting Mars since 2014 and was designed to understand the changes in climate, according to Bruce Jawowski, MAVEN principal investigator, while today's Mars is a cold, dry, desert-like environment incapable of sustaining water, ancient Mars had valleys that could have been carved by water, long-standing lakes, and the, a climate that must have been warmer and wetter with a thicker atmosphere. This is a quote, Mars lost its atmosphere. It could have been frozen out. It could have been turned into rocks. It could have been knocked out by meteors, could have been stripped from the planet by solar wind. To answer, NASA sent the MAVEN mission to Mars, NASA's Mars Exploration Program lead scientist Michael Meyer said. Now, here's the interesting part. The difference between Earth and Mars, the scientists note, is that the Earth is protected from one million mile an hour solar winds that is bombarding it. 
preventing its atmosphere from being stripped away. Now, a couple of questions and observations here is the fact that, well, now, wait a minute. What exactly is protecting us? See, they say Mars lacks a core of the same heat and composition as Earth. Doesn't have such a, you know, a luxury ions from the upper atmosphere are grabbed by the solar particles which then escape into space. Earth has a strong magnetic field that shields atmosphere from from what is this globe well, global wind? Its upper atmosphere can be stripped away into portions of space. Mars does not have such a large magnetic shield. Its atmosphere is small, but enough to protect surface from solar wind, deflecting it away. Well, now, let's just say magnetic field. Okay. So Earth has a magnetic field protecting us from being killed by solar winds, having our atmosphere stripped away and the planet made uninhabitable. What if... Somebody started screwing with that magnetic field. Huh? What if we decided to have lots and lots of electronic frequencies, lots and lots of magnetic things? What if we even decided to, oh, I don't know, blast a few nukes in the atmosphere like we used to do? Hmm? Now, if an EMP pulse wrecks electronics, what do you think it's doing to the magnetic field? Now, I'm not saying man has, you know, we we knock off a couple of nukes and that's going to get rid of the magnetic field. But, does it damage it? Does it affect it? Has it affected it? Perhaps all those nuclear tests are what created climate change, not your SUV. Hmm? And what about HARP? What about HARP? Does that mess with the magnetic field? What about this CERN collider? Could that mess with the magnetic field? Listen, folks, you see, the magnetic field is one of those things that you really don't want to screw with. Because if you mess it up, Earth will be unprotected and destroyed by solar winds, by solar radiation. Now, the other way to look at it is, hey, gee, Earth, you know, here we are on this little rock, and uh, space is not just, you know, this empty space of uh, blackness or whatever. It's highly radioactive, and they got million-mile-an-hour winds. Well, golly, that doesn't seem very peaceful. But here we are, being bombarded, yet we're protected. Kind of sound like the hand of God sort of thing. Remember what the Bible says, that God will not always walk with man, and his hand of protection will be taken away. Uh I sure hope it's not the magnetic field. I really do, because that's going to be a real bad day, man, if that happens.
Anyway, to finish up, scientists estimate that Mars had an abundance of active flowing water and thick atmosphere about 2.7 million years ago. It was at this time that the sun's activity was much more intense, which caused a rapid loss of atmosphere and a transition to the red barren planet that we know today. The loss of atmosphere is much slower today, but it still occurs at a rate of about a quarter pound of atoms every second. An earlier heavy-hitting announcement occurred in late September when the space agency revealed that Mars almost certainly has flowing liquid water on its surface. Well, you got to wonder if somebody ever lived there, too. You know, what if somebody did live on Mars? What if they did screw around? What if they were very technologically advanced and they started screwing around with their magnetic field? Wow. Anyway, you know, I would say that you know, this is the whole thing, folks. The elitists always want to blame us. Oh, it's your lawnmower. Yeah, it's your SUV. Sure, it's your cow out there farting in the field. You're the one. We're the ones starting to oh, doing this whole climate change thing. It's our fault. But never do they look at themselves or their mad scientists. It's never them. It's never their experiments. It's never their nuclear blasts. Are you kidding me? They're going to tell you that you're not allowed to have an uh, uh, internal combustion lawnmower because it's creating climate change. I'm sorry. You'll have to do without that and get out there with scissors and cut your yard. Better yet, you don't even get a yard because you know why? Uh, we're running out of water because of climate change. So you're just going to have to have rocks in your lawn instead of grass. Sorry. Oh, and you're going to have to buy your bottled water from us. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, really? Do you think maybe your blasting off nuclear devices in the atmosphere might have had something to do with it? How about your blasting off your nuclear devices underground? How about these wars they keep having? You know, burning oil fields... I think a, a lot of these things have a lot more to do with screwing up the planet's environment than anybody out there. A million people, ten million people, cutting their lawn with a, a you know a five horsepower motor. Hell, Al Gore, one day of his stinking worthless life, uses up more of a carbon footprint than most people do, than most twenty people do in a lifetime. And this is the guy out there telling us we all need to do something about climate change. Yeah, sure. Anyway, here's something else a little more. You know, this is really... Obviously, the European Union has been infested. Look, corporations are becoming desperate. To keep paying their dividends. Alright? And they're not the brightest group in the uh, in the world. They will kill the goose laying the golden eggs. Okay? They will kill the goose. They are that stupid. They will say, well, gee, 
you know, there's the goose that lays the golden eggs. Let's kill it. It's probably made of gold, and uh, we'll have all that. Yeah. The thing is, what are they trying to do in in the EU? You're going to like this. They're going to copyright hyperlinks, or they want to copyright hyperlinks. You're thinking, what? What exactly does that mean? What do you mean? Well, what it means is, let's say I'm cruising around and I find a, you know, I find a news story. And I go, ooh, that's pretty good. I want to put that on my website so other people can see it. So I take the link and I put it on my website. Guess what? Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to start paying copyright fees according to what the EU would like to do. Yeah, my site has to start paying copyright fees to put that link on my website. Yeah, you don't you don't even have the actual article on your website. It's just a link. They want to copyright the actual link. Not the words in the link, the fact that the link goes to your material. Wow. They call it ancillary copyright. I mean, do you really think that this is what the Founding Fathers had in mind when they came up with patents and copyright? Because if they did, back in the day, they would have said, well, okay, listen, if you use somebody else's work, you got to pay them for it. Like, if you're going to take a part of somebody's book, you know, a big part of it, and put it in your book, or your magazine, or you're going to take a book and you're going to start, you know, uh, in your magazine just every week, hey, we're going to give you part of this book and you can read it weekly. You know, you've got to pay the book to do that. Well, if they had meant this, they'd have said, well... If you walk down the street, if you put it in your book to go, if you put it in your magazine to go read this book, you've got to pay for that sentence that says, go read this book. Huh? You see, it's crazy because when you put a link on your website, you're sending them to their website so you can go look at their ads. You can go look at their stuff that they sell or however, you know, go to their site so you can join up and pay a fee every month, whatever. But they want to charge you to do that. This is insane. But this is what the EU is trying to do. Now, do you think this is a good business plan? Do you think this is going to help these businesses? Do you think Drudge, the Drudge Report is really hurting any of the news sites that it links? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, Drudge listing you on his website is most probably a boost. A free boost. Now, as far as I know, he doesn't charge to go on there. Although, I have my uh, my doubts about that. Because I've been seeing a notorious so-called patriot get himself listed on Drudge 
all of a sudden it started happening. And I happen to know that this guy's backer, who is a gold dealer, paid to have him on Fox News. So I don't have any doubts that they would pay to put him on Drudge either. So I don't know that Drudge is charging money to get listed on his site, but I would suspect he may be. Or he may not be opposed to if you come with a bag of money and say, Hey, Matt, if I could give you this bag of money, maybe you uh, could list me for a couple of months. Well, sure. Why not? It's like buying advertising. Except you see, advertising's advertising. News content, we look at it as, oh, well, it's just because it's valuable news content. Maybe not. Maybe it's because somebody paid him to have it there. And that makes it less valuable. I mean, it may be valuable, it may not be valuable, because it doesn't really matter. It's here because I'm paid to have it here. Hmm. Anyway, this is insane, and there's no way that you can even justify this from a good business practice view. It's not a good business practice. It's stupid. It's it, it's just it's like a business killer. It's bad for everybody, except guess who? It's good for the government. It's good for the government because it's going to cut down on people spreading news. They don't want that. Too much information has been available on the Internet. They don't like this. They're having trouble. It's causing them problems. People are becoming aware. They're finding things out, and they don't want that. You just tune in to the news program on the television, and we'll tell you what we want to tell you. You don't need to be going to look on the Internet, and we're going to have to do something about it. And we can't just shut it down because, golly, that would make everybody mad and they'd go crazy. So what we're going to do is we're going to come out with a fee thing, and we're going to say that it's to protect rights. It's to protect people's rights because, well, you know, people have a copyright, and uh, it's their stuff, and it's not fair to have anybody use it without being compensated, and we're trying to help them. Uh-huh. Well, on the outside, if that's all you hear and that's all you listen to, it kind of makes sense. But till you start looking about what they actually are wanting to do by copywriting hyperlinks, it's not helping business. It's not helping anybody. It's only restricting the flow of information, and that's all it accomplishes. But you know what? If that's what you want to accomplish then it's a good deal. And I believe that's what the EU is all about. They don't want this because, you see, they have a, they have a problem in the EU. For whatever reason, the leaders over there have decided to flood Europe with Muslims. Well, the people of Europe are saying, hey, this is crap, man. You just moved 700 Muslims into our 100-person town, and we don't like it. It's got to stop. And they're spreading information, and they're telling their stories all around the country, and everybody's hearing it and getting together going, hey, we don't want to do this anymore. This is one example. The GMO thing, another thing, where information is being passed around, and people are saying, no, we don't want that crap where we live. See, this is the kind of stuff they don't want. This is information they want to squelch, and that's what this whole idea is all about. Don't be fooled. Don't think it's 
oh, we're protecting the copyright owner. No, you're not, because this is this is this is not protecting anybody. Now, businesses can, of course, say, well, I don't know, it is the EU, maybe they can't, but here businesses can say, hey, you know what, Ah, I'm giving unrestricted use to my hyperlink. If I do have copyright on it, I'm, I'm extending the, you see, because if you have the copyright, you control the use, that's the whole point. To control the use doesn't mean necessarily to restrict the use. It's whatever you want. Whatever you decide is good for you. Well, we'll see. But to me, it's just crazy. It's just obviously, you know, a a attempt to restrict the flow of information. Because it really, really doesn't accomplish anything else. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos. I 
wants me to send a donation Cause he's worried about my soul He said Jesus walked on the water And I know that it's true But sometimes I think that preacher man I'd like to do a little walking too But I ain't asking nobody for nothing If I can't get it on All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, November 9th, 2015. It's about 1241 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's all true where you're at, we're live. You can call in 800-932-1980. You can also go participate in the chat room, which is at our chat room on our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You can contact me directly using Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. Anyway, uh, those of you wondering, we're not playing on the daytimes. Uh, you know, we just play, you know, we have to play something for the break. So we play music and... Uh, it was the Tractors and Charlie Daniels. Uh, that's who we play. Anyway, that's who it is. Now, all right, let's get to something here. University of Missouri. I, I mean, this is definitely a case of 
the lunatics running the asylum. You know, I, I think every college, every public school in this country should be shut down, every teacher fired, and never allowed to teach children again. And the reason why is because they've all been brainwashed through the university system to start teaching your children all this politically correct garbage, to start telling them, oh, black lives matter, nobody else's lives matter, and uh, just black lives, and there's white privilege, and there's this, and there's unfair, and everything's unfair, and your poor little self-esteem, and let's not keep score at the uh, baseball game because it might hurt somebody's feelings to lose. On and on it goes. These people have no business teaching children anything. But that's not going to happen. What is happening is the University of Missouri has called for their president to resign, and he did. They say that he must admit white privilege. And they have many, many demands, which all revolve around, we want groups full of minorities deciding how everybody's going to act. That's really what their demands amount to. Oh, they go on and on for pages, but all of them combined, what it amounts to is they want minorities dictating to the majority how everybody's going to act. That's what's going on here, folks. We have the minorities in this country demanding and dictating to the majority how they need to be treated. Look, I really don't want to see the swing go the other way, but this is what usually happens. It's like a pendulum, okay? You know, we swing so far over this way, and then up it comes back and swings the other way. And the other way is the majority just starts killing every minority in this country. That's the pendulum swing the other way. You see a black, you just shoot him on sight. You see a Mexican, you just kill him. That's all. No, black lives don't matter anymore. Neither do Mexicans or any other minority. You better run for the hills. That's what happens when the pendulum goes the other way. And I don't want to see that. That'd be just as ugly as what's going on now. But you got to be kidding me. The, the football team at the University of Missouri decided oh, we're going to walk out. Really? You know what? I would bet 90% of those creeps there can't even read on that football team. And they're there on scholarships. And they, they actually, this guy actually resigned and they accepted his resignation. I would have told that football team, you know what? Okay. You walk out, guess what? You're done here, man. Your scholarship is over. Your scholarship is canceled. You're no longer a student at this university. Now, go get your job. Practice up on, would you like fries with that? And get out. But no, they're not. They're coddling them, and they're giving them what they want, just more. Because it is a university, folks. Oh, man, I'm telling you. This is this is really bad. And <laughs> if it keeps going this way, it's going to swing back the other way. 
And if you are a minority in this country, you better start realizing this. As a matter of fact, if you're a minority anywhere, you better start realizing, you know, you can actually push too far. Because when the majority decides to push back, you're going down and you're going down hard. Because, well, uh, they're the majority. You're the minority. Well, what do you know? Maybe those Hillary Clinton emails didn't include top secret information after all. Just a big mistake. Uh-huh. Well, this is the spin anyway, but... You know, we got the New York Post and we've got Politico, both claiming, now listen, this is from the Post, at least that's the conclusion reportedly, reportedly drawn by Director of National Intelligence James Clapper's office, overruling the finding of Intelligence Community Inspector General Charles McAuliffe, McAuliffe, that two Clinton emails contained highly classified information. Yeah. Now they're saying Clapper answers to the president who issued clear marching orders months ago announcing that Clinton's server scam was not a situation in which America's national security was endangered. Now, you actually think this communist usurper is somebody we should listen to about national security? Yeah. Oddly, news of Clapper's finding got leaked to Politico. Oh, yeah? And this was soon after the Washington Free Beacon reported Clinton did indeed, right after taking over the, at state, acknowledge her responsibility to properly guard classified information and that negligent handling of it could bring criminal penalties. Until the Beacon broke that news, even the State Department was unclear on whether Clinton ever signed the sensitive compartmental uh, information non-disclosure agreement. Wow. Anyway, now, here's the real deal. Politico, this is all coming out of Politico. Politico might as well be owned by Hillary Clinton. And, it, and it's really disgraceful. Because people actually, well, liberals, actually view Politico as a as a, you know, legitimate source of news. It's not. You might as well go to the National Enquirer. I'd say they're probably more reliable than Politico. Do you know what Politico says? Politico bases this whole absurd story on an undisclosed source familiar with the situation. I'm telling you, man. These democratic, liberal, communist rags, and they, look, this isn't new, okay? This is not something that, oh, they just decided to do. They have lied all along. Communists don't care about telling the truth, okay? They don't, it doesn't bother them to lie. 
Their whole idea is whatever their agenda happens to be, whatever they have to say or do to move that agenda forward is all justified. Now, why would they do this? Because they're shifting political opinion. Okay, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to plant it in people's head that, oh, it wasn't any big deal anyway. It was just some emails. It wasn't even classified. It wasn't anything. It wasn't a big deal at all. Oh, big deal about Hillary breaking the law. It was just a little law, and she never really did anything wrong. That's what they're trying to put in people's heads. It's amazing. It's just... it's really disgraceful. You know, it, it really is. I mean, it, it's, it's... Anyway. Oh, here's this list of demands. I'm not going to go through that, but uh, you can look it up, folks. Uh, the list of demands from Missouri students. All right. Now, here's there's a, uh, a little film out here called Our Daily Dose. According to this film, 210 million Americans, including children, are dosed daily with fluoride because it's in their drinking water. Fluoride is a waste product of the fertilizer industry, of the aluminum production industry, of the nuclear waste industry. Fluoride is also an endocrine disruptor and a neurotoxin. Fluoride does not occur naturally in the human body, and according to a growing body of evidence, there is no safe level of fluoride when it comes to human consumption. Yet it's in our water supply without our consent. Uh, This person goes on to say, My career has been about making people aware of harmful exposures and the deception that often accompanies those exposures. Drinking water fluoridation is harmful. We've been deceived to believe it's safe. And with newfound knowledge, we must all act now to stop it. That comes from Erin Brockovich. You've probably heard of her before. Well, you know, I just bring this up because this is one of those things that you need to uh, raise your awareness of. And if you live in an area that has fluoridated water, you need to get active. Get with your neighbors. Start groups. Get that fluoridation out of your water supply. Folks, and you might think, well, I don't care. I got a distiller. I got a water filter that takes out fluoride. I don't drink the water out of the tap. Okay, that's that's better than not, but you shower in it, don't you? See, this is something that gets by people, man. Your skin is your body's biggest organ. Your skin acts like your third, you you know, your, your, what, your third kidney, your second liver. You filter things out of your skin. Your skin also absorbs things. All right? So if you're showering... Or even worse, bathing, taking a bath in fluoridated water. All that fluoride is being absorbed into your skin. Okay? 
So it is a danger because you can't really shower with bot. Well, I suppose you could, but you can't really shower with bottled water. So if you do live in a community with fluoride, you know, there's more and more resources out there that show it's harmful. There are no safe levels, so they can't say, well, yeah, but we're only putting this much. It's safe. It's not safe. It's never safe. There is no such thing as a safe level of fluoride. It does not occur in the human body naturally. shouldn't be there. It's a toxic waste being fed to you and your children. And it does absorb through your skin. So... If you live in a community with fluoride, get some of this information, get active, and start doing something about it. Anyway, the British government is previewing British Bill of Rights, which will replace the Human Rights Act. You know, this is always a very uh, dangerous you know, oh, I mean, imagine, if would you trust your government? Let me ask you this now, because you, you heard the headline here. British government previews British Bill of Rights, which will replace Human Rights Act. Now, would you trust the federal government to come out one day and say, you know, we're previewing a new Bill of Rights, and it's going to replace the Bill of Rights in the Constitution? Do you believe that what they would come up with would protect your rights more or less i'm thinking less myself so that's what's going on you know one thing that we can see here one thing that seems to be a thread through all of this is the fact that the governments are trying on all fronts to diminish your freedoms to diminish your access to information, to diminish your access to healthy food and water, to diminish your access to a legitimate education. They really are moving hard and fast to try to better enslave the people. Meanwhile... You know, meanwhile, we have the, oh, all of a sudden, since we got a black president, have you noticed this? That before we got the, well, almost black president, because he's not really black, he's actually more white than he is black. But that doesn't matter to the morons in the black community. They see dark skin, and, you know, these guys will fall for a woman with a tan calling herself black running the NAACP. How smart do you have to be, huh? Come on. All of a sudden, we get a guy who has darker skin than, say, a bush in there, and all of a sudden, we go from Decades and decades of, you know, the racial atmosphere in America getting better. And really, less and less people, before Obama, less and less people were walking around just hating on other people because, well, they're black, because they are, you know, Latino, well, because they're Asian, well, because, you know, less and less people over the years just have that idea. Now, I might not like an Asian person. I might not like a black person, but it's I don't like them because of how they act, 
what they say, who they are. And yeah, you're black, I don't care, I don't like you anyway. Yeah, I don't care, you're Asian, I don't like you anyway. You know, so what? I don't have to like you just because you are black or Asian or a minority of any kind. But that's where we were going. That was the direction America was going. Yeah, was it going slow, not fast enough for some people? Sure, I'm sure it was. But we were nevertheless moving in that direction. But since Obama became president, we have gone the other way. We have gone the other way where minorities talking about white privilege and all this other garbage. Um, I don't know, folks. To me, it seems as though they are really trying to start a race war. Because that's where it's going to end. That's going to be the pendulum going the other way. That's how it's always been. That's how it always ends when you do something like this. They know that. They're not stupid. Even though we call them stupid, we'd like to believe they're stupid. They're not stupid. They're evil. Okay, they're evil. Everything they do, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, all their plans might not work out exactly the way they want them to, but they have plans. They have an agenda. This is not by accident. They're not stupid. They are evil. Get that through your head. Now, maybe you could say they're stupid for being evil, but nevertheless, they are evil. And they have plans and agendas, and they're moving forward. And they're not going to stop unless somebody stops them. So, we can either stop them, or we can do nothing and be destroyed, or we can prepare and try to survive. These are pretty much the choices that I see anyway. It's up to you. I'll be back again this evening for two hours. we got financial survival coming up next and a full day after that. Stay where you're at. Thanks for listening. Heard it through the grapevine, my new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotty pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt and your rambling don't rattle me. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. 
Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, November 9th, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Uh, it was a typical Monday as far as the markets are going. You know, gold was up uh, much more in early morning trade but uh, still managed to be up at the moment in the aftermarket trade, 180 at 1,092. You have silver down 17 cents at 1467. Platinum down big, 28 at 917. Palladium was also down big, uh, down 22 at 603. Uh, the USDX today down 0.16 at 98.99 and crude oil was down 0.28 44.01 and the paper markets today you had the uh, Dow was down most of the day and actually it's been their biggest decline in six weeks and uh, everybody is fretting about the interest rate hike and uh, perhaps uh, uh, China's trade data how weak it is you had uh, nine out of ten of the major S&P sectors were lower, and of course that was led by consumer discretionary and energy stocks. And um, so, uh, let's go ahead and get to those market prices. As long as my computer brings it up, uh, the Dow came back a little bit, down one percent, um, one seventy-eight. 17,731. The NASDAQ was also, they were all down about 1%. 51 points for the NASDAQ at 5,095. 20 points for the S&P at 2,078. 10-year yield climbed to uh, 0.01 at 2.34. Euro was, of course, stronger with the dollar weaker, 0.13 at 108. And uh, overnight markets, you know, Germany was down 1.5%. Japan was up too. Other than that, there was no real excitement there. I didn't see what Japan did. Uh, I'll see if I can't look that up here in just a little bit. But um, I figured they might have been a little bit weaker. As, again, China's, uh, you know, everyone is concerned about the slowdown in China, and uh, which is a key market for a lot of companies. Uh, and the report talks about the, the crucial holiday shopping season. Well, I would think most of your companies would already have a lot of their inventory in. Um, so I, you know, I would think that most of that would already been purchased, considering we're almost in the middle of November. So um, we'll see how that works out. China took another step to boost the, the, the yuan's global usage, saying it's going to start direct trading with the Swiss franc. And uh, we see China is continuing to push its case for the reserve currency status at the IMF. Um, This link to the Swiss franc will begin tomorrow. And um, the the China foreign exchange trade system said today, uh, making the franc the seventh major currency that can bypass a conversion into the U.S. dollar and be directly exchanged uh, for the U.N., and, you know, it, it's, it's just another step. It's just another sign that this announcement, the IMF uh, prepares to meet this month to review its special drawing rights. Uh, we know China um, dutifully wants to be involved in that. 
and um, the um, um, People's Bank of China this year extended to Switzerland a 50 billion yuan quota under the renminbi qualified foreign institutional investor program and it just goes on and on but you have the, this deal going on between the, the swiss and the chinese central banks and they signed a three-year deal so again it's just another sign that uh, china is uh, trying to impress the imf and trying to do what the imf wants in order to get involved with the other major currencies so an interesting step i believe and uh, you know, I'm not so sure we'll see an immediate impact on things, but uh, um, certainly will, I think, in the near future. You know, the thing about China that really disturbs me just in the last 10 days or so, I've seen evidence maybe two weeks, I don't remember. I've seen Gerald Salente for one. There's been another source before him, and I don't remember who it was. Pointing out that China's in debt for thirty billion or thirty trillion dollars. Right, their official debt is thirty trillion. Our official debt is eighteen trillion. Our real debt is probably closer to hundred trillion, and including unfunded liabilities, it's over two hundred trillion. <clears throat> but still, what bothers me about this is the news that China is in fact a debtor nation is disturbing to me, because. Up until just the last couple of weeks, I had assumed, and I don't think I'm alone in this, that China was a creditor nation. We hear, we heard that China had $1.2 trillion worth of U.S. bonds, and people, oh, my gosh, how did they have that? Well, they were saving their money. They were creditor. They were having, they were, they, they had a, a, a budgetary surplus. Turns out, no, they didn't. They actually had, what they had was a trade surplus. They were actually, they were trading, they were, getting, they were taking more in from trade than they were paying out. But in fact, the government was still running in a, a major debt. And they were apparently trying to emulate the United States and the rest of the, and the, rest of the uh, debt-based monetary system countries. And they said, we'll go into debt. Everybody else going into debt. We're going into debt. That bothers me because... Up until I understood that, and I don't believe I was the only one who was ignorant on this issue up until a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Um, until I understood that, I thought that China had, as a creditor, they're buying allegedly 10,000 tons of gold. It is apparent that they are a creditor nation. They have surplus cash. They have surplus bonds. That's what everyone thought, so far as I was able to understand and if that was true, then China could be the nation to create a renminbi that might be backed by gold. We might have a, a currency that was not debt-based coming out of China, and that would be a remarkable event. And maybe even something like, certainly a benefit, maybe a blessing. But now it turns out, no, they're as much in debt or more than the, than the U.S. government is. Which means China does not have a vested interest in maintaining economic policies that are substantially different from those of the United States. They're as dedicated to going deeper into debt and using debt-based currency as the United States government is. Where I had hoped at the Shanghai Gold Exchange, I thought, well, once that thing gets fired up, 
they're going to raise the price of physical gold. But in fact, they haven't raised it, or if they have, it hasn't been much. All right? I thought the Shanghai Gold Exchange, well, they would, you know, they'd want, because China allegedly had 10,000 tons of gold, and therefore they'd want the price of gold to be higher. But if China is as in as much debt, relatively speaking, as the United States is, or comparative debt, they don't want the price of gold to go up. They want it to go down in order to support the value of their their own phony baloney debt-based monetary system. So I'm not real pleased about what I'm hearing coming out of China, and it indicates that they are... They're not, they're not an adversary to the economic policy of the United States, except insofar as we want that apple and they want the same apple, and now we can fight over the apple. But both of them believe in stealing other people's apples. That's what it comes down to. So, well, I don't believe why anybody would think that China would be any different than any other country in this world. I mean, they are a communist country, and they're just as corrupt as everyone else. And I never thought that uh, they would ever have a currency that would be backed by gold. But they did have it. Well, I mean, mean, what makes China different with their gold policies is because they're a nation that believes in gold. They're citizens. They encourage gold purchases, just as India does. And I mean, this is in their culture. Gold is important to them. And as they continue to buy gold, and again, the numbers that were given and passed around as far as, you know, all these uh, tons of gold and stuff, we, we don't know what they have and what they don't have. Do you really believe China would come out and admittedly share with the world what they're actually what they're actually holding? I mean, certainly there's been a lot of estimates and they've been high. And China is basically supposed to be reporting. They came out, at least I saw one report back in July, that they were supposed to be um, uh, on a monthly basis showing what they're purchasing uh, for gold. But even like Russia, I mean, they're all debt-based countries. They're all, de- But yet the interest in gold uh, is, is there. And I believe this is what makes them strong, even though they have debt. I mean, here we're in a country that has, Debt, but yet they can't prove we have gold. You know, no, no, it's never been audited. I mean, it hasn't been audited for years, and that's the key difference. I mean, no one knows what anyone has, and that's the dangerous part of this whole world. It's just like all the numbers that are given, all the beliefs that are given, it's all phony. And you can take bits and pieces, you can take scraps of the information that's released, put together a scenario, and the scenario is not good. But you know, I, you know, I, I would have liked to have thought China was still perhaps a little bit. But we know they have a, a shadow banking system. We know that their whole system is corrupt. I mean, look at their ghost cities and and their manufacturing and everything. I mean, how can you believe anything that China says? Well, I'm not necessarily believing anything that China said, but there was a significant consensus, for example, that they'd acquired ten thousand tons of gold, maybe more. Some people speculated it was much more than that. Nobody knew. China came out four months ago, thereabouts, I don't know, five, and said, no, we've got 1,000 tons of gold. I think they well, have more than that. I think they're concealing. Oh. <clears throat> but regardless, my point, my main point is that 
I am much surprised. I thought China was running a surplus, and as such, that weight, if they were a creditor nation, they should be pushing to do what's best for people who save their money. But it turns out, no, they're a debtor nation. No, they want now that means to... they're, out to, they're out to gut the people who save their Absolutely. money to up the United States. States what makes it and, any, really any different, Al? I mean, how could how could any believe anybody believe they would be different? Well, I believe they were different. A lot of people believed they were oh. different. Nobody thought they were running the same as Washington D.C. I didn't believe that, and I, I didn't hear of anyone who did. Well, I mean, what was the you know the goal? You didn't ask me then. One point two trillion. <clears throat> well, they knew what they knew what you'd say if they asked Melody. I guess. But I mean, no, I mean, doesn't anybody understand the, the politics that are involved? I mean, what makes, and I agree with you. I mean, I don't think China is what anybody thought they were. They thought they were this country that was going to come in and write, write, like on a white horse and, and save the day in gold. No, but their interest is there. And, and you can't deny that fact. Well, there's it's some interest everywhere, but and, there's and some weird interest everywhere, but, you know. Well, who, t- who I do turns believe, down gold if they have an opportunity? And I do believe they probably have an interest in lower gold prices. Why? To buy more. Well, I agree with that. But I thought that you know, people have speculated that once China acquired, it was it was widely speculated and perhaps believed that China's ten thousand tons of gold was primarily coming out of the U.S. out of the U.S. Uh, Gold treasury that we had been secretly. Where did they were sending where gold? They it was believed they they were acquiring a thousand, two thousand tons per wow. year. And they said, "Where's this coming from?" And China they has, couldn't explain it, and they said it has to be coming out of the U.S. gold treasury. My well, and they Chi- speculated that once China got the last of the gold from the United States, then China would jack the price of gold up dramatically higher. Well, now I'm not so sure that's true. If China's just as big a debtor as the United States, and they want in on the special drawing rights from the IMF, they want to be part of that, which is another fiat currency, you know. Uh, China, as my understanding, has a lot of gold mines. So I don't think we really know exactly what they mine as far as their gold. So they probably do have a lot more gold than, you know, everyone thinks they... Well, I think they, they have more than they admitted. I don't ab- think they have absolutely. More than but I don't look to China for the hope of gold rising. No, but I looked at it for resistance to what our government was doing and the naked short traders on Wall Street that were trading gold and driving prices lower when they didn't even have well, any why gold. Would they, why would they turn down money? Why would China? Yeah. Well, there's a point in time if you're gonna if China wants gold and the United States wants paper dollars, we have a natural conflict here. All right? There is a natural conflict between those who want gold and those who want paper. And presumably China wanted gold and therefore there'd be a and it turns out, wait a second, they also want debt, apparently, because they're allegedly thirty trillion in the hole. Well tell How are they you gonna what? pay that debt? They're another one now. But the one, thing, I, the one thing it does say is this. If China is in debt for $30 trillion, and the United States is officially in debt for $18 trillion, and probably in debt for $100 trillion, and Europe is undoubtedly in debt, and who else is left who's not in debt? Japan, they're in debt. 
They're deeply in debt. You take the top four economies in the world, United States, China, European Union, and Japan, top four are all in debt to a degree that they will never, ever be able to repay. Then one of the conclusions is this. They're going to all come to a point and say, listen, why don't we cancel a debt? The day now... We don't even have anyone to resist that. China should have, if China was running a trade, a, a budgetary surplus and a trade surplus and they had savings, they don't want it. They don't want to destroy the debt because they, they are the creditor. People owe money to China. So we don't want to destroy the debt. We want to get paid. But if China is as indebted as the other three major economies, then the top four have a vested interest in canceling the debt which is another way of saying if you're invested in paper debt instruments, the probability is that much higher that you're going to wish that wasn't the case. Keep holding on to your U.S. treasuries, your U.S. bonds, or any other kind of bonds, and there's a good chance you're going to be singing the blues. Absolutely. The old saying, more money, more money, more money. How about more debt, more debt, more debt? That's what's going to make that the debt. It isn't that I'm a. It's the debt that's going to make the price of gold skyrocket. So as far as I'm concerned, go ahead, governments. Go deeper and deeper into debt because that's what's going to make gold go to 3000 5000 and higher. And there's no turning around any of these countries because they're all addicted to it. It's the only way their countries can be run. It's the only way their economies can run is through debt. So, hey, bring it on. Get that debt higher. Higher that debt goes, the higher I see gold going. So hey, it's just a matter of time when it all comes together. We're going to break right now. That's what I see too. I've got a certain prophetic gift, and I could tell. See, I knew melody. I knew. Yeah, but you just keep talking. But you just keep talking. (laughs) Until Frank turns it up. financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w's.thepowerherbs.com.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Folks, I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom Financial Survival. What's next, Melody? DGSCoins.com is the website that uh, you folks need to visit. Make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter. And these programs are archived on a daily basis. And uh, all, we also have some long-term uh, archives, too. We have all kinds of great specials going on with prices. We still have some of the AU $5 Liberty Gold pieces at $345. Make sure you call us on those. We can add a little bit of 90% to that. Silver Eagles are flowing, so no problem there on the silver product. We also have the 90% silver quarters. We have that available for you. And uh, a lot of other products, you know, your typical bullion, and we also have the $20 gold pieces um, that are great buys right now. A tremendous opportunities to pick up some $20 gold pieces. So give us a call so we can quote them for you. 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Briefly, Al, <laughs> Greece. You, know, you think they're done and everything, and you know, just gradually they're beginning to come back, and it's just another sign that things aren't ever fixed, folks. Not when it comes to debt, until they actually eliminate it. Greece failed to convince the European creditors today to release a vital bailout funds to shore up the country's public coffers, and it crippled and its crippled banks. But hopes are high that a deal will be concluded within. A week, even though the government has met most of the conditions that was attached to this third international bailout, it still still has to push through some financial reforms, notably how to deal with those in arrears on their mortgages and the bad loans, <clears throat> excuse me, held by banks. That's that's the problem. 
Well, I think the solution, I think the banks want to shoot them. <clears throat> Maybe. The creditors are saying, we need, to, we need to shoot those people who are in arrears. And the people in arrears say, no, no, you don't shoot us. You know, shoot someone else. But uh, the whole idea is what he wants to deal with the truth of the matter, which is that the Greeks are broken bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And they can't pay their bills, so why try? You know, it's the old thing. You can't get blood out of a stone. You can't get blood out of a turnip. Squeeze it as hard as you want. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to squeeze blood out of Greek stones. It's not going to happen. They're not going to get the money out of these people. And everybody would be better off if they just said, look, we're broke. We can't pay it off. We're filing for bankruptcy. That's it. We're out of here. All right? That's what Iceland did. And they said, oh, the world will come to an end. It didn't come to an end. Iceland had a difficult 18, 24 months, and they're back on the books. They're good. Well, you know, there's been 10 billion euros that was already set aside for the country's banks. And, you know, they have a lot of capital controls, meaning people are still limited on the amount of money that they can get from their bank accounts and so forth. And what's funny is this article says uh, uh, they're ready for another likely recession. Really? (laughs) I figure that country's been in a recession. Yeah, right. Day one. We're, we're ready for another. Li- we're <laughs> really? ready for another likely recession yeah. here in the United yeah. States too. Yeah. Assuming we ever get out of the last one, we're ready for another one. And uh, no, it's just I know. so much. It is. BS, BS, BS. It would be so refreshing if the people in positions of power would simply tell the truth. I mean, that's one of the attractive qualities of Trump. I think Trump will tell us the truth. He just said, hey, <laughs> screw you all. I'm going to tell you the truth whether you like it or you don't like it. Trump might do that, and a lot of people might, yay, yay, somebody's treating us as if we were adults, you know, telling us the truth. You know, they've got this idea. It's the old movie of, what is it, uh, A Few Good Men, maybe? I don't remember if that was the name of it. Tom Cruise and Can't Jack Nicholas. Can't handle the truth. Yeah, Jack Nicholas is the Marine colonel. The truth, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, I think maybe we can. It's the lies that we are all having a problem with. Even though they're pleasant and they're reassuring, we all know where they're going to lead us. Everybody knows. Come on. Tell me lies. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet, sweet lies. And guess what that means? It means somebody's going to get screwed. You understand? And insofar as we will welcome the lies and they supply the lies, somebody's going to get screwed. And I'm willing to bet you it's not going to be the people who are telling the lies, at least not initially. Before it's done, maybe we all get screwed on the deal. But somebody tell the truth. Will somebody please just tell the truth? I stayed up Saturday night to watch Trump on Saturday Night Live. (laughs) He was kind of funny. There was two funny parts as they they were in the Oval Office and the president from Mexico comes and hands him a check. Here's a check for your fence. (laughs) That was kind of funny. And he had a couple of little skits that were funny. But I'll tell you what. The other parts where Trump was not on the program was so vulgar. I was shocked. I was, I mean, I wasn't shocked because that's just pretty much the main, you know, it's just pretty much what it is anymore, any program. But yet, it's just, it's still shocking because, you know, I don't watch those types of programs. And then when you see and hear what is said, it's, I just couldn't believe how vulgar it was. And it wasn't vulgar when Trump was on, 
that, that area was all cleaned up. But uh, the little skits in between that he didn't participate in, it was uh, I was surprised that it had been, you know, that far gone. And they had this, and I know this is important to economics and so forth, but even the taste of music, there was a girl on there singing, I don't know what her name was, she had this wig on, it was half black, half white, and it was down to her nose to where she couldn't see. So when she sang, all you could see was her lips. And then there was this person that had the same type of wig, but you could see her eyes. She was Chinese or Japanese or something, not that it makes any difference. And she's rolling around on the ground, I guess, interpreting the song. I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I must either be getting old, Al, or... The world truly is insane. Well, probably both. Yeah, there's the answer, (laughs) Melody. We finally got one where I got both. 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 Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so I don't. You didn't miss anything on Saturday Night Live if you didn't stay up and watch it. But you know, we did. I saw an excerpt from it. I didn't see the program. I just saw the excerpt, and and Trump is standing there with two Trump impersonators, and uh, they're they're doing their little number, and Larry, someone, I can't think yeah, of his yeah, yeah. he stands up and he says, export racism or deport racism or something like that. And he, he said, what do you think? Well, they said they'd give me $5,000. You and I were talking last Friday. Right, right. And what I was wondering, and if Trump himself would say deport racism and then insist that the uh, uh, whoever came up with the idea send him five grand. I thought that would have been hilarious. Didn't happen, but uh, uh, it would have been. It would have. It would have amused me, Melody. And I'm not usually. As you know, you do enjoy I'm, amusing I'm, yourself. I don't enjoy amusing myself, Melody. I enjoy. Anyway, a little bit of humor. Bring a little humor to some of these yeah. things. Helping people to see the uh, the funny spot, which is located right next to the tragic spot. Sometimes, you know, you got tragedy and comedy. Well, right. that's we where we wind up. A lot of times, you wind up doing comedy in order to avoid the tragedy. Um, well, here, here's a comedy. David Cameron out of Britain. Now, this is something that uh, there's going to be a referendum at the end of 2017. Okay, this is 2017, and he's coming out. And he made the statement today that he is deadly serious about leaving the European Union if he doesn't get his way. And the United Kingdom government uh, is going to publish a list of demands for negotiation with the other EU nations uh, tomorrow. And uh, he's saying that uh, he wants to impress upon the other countries that uh, it is a real possibility that uh, Britain would... uh, uh, leave the European Union, but he has till 2017 when that referendum is due, and um, he hasn't really come out and said anything uh, for his goals. They've all been short on detail, and um, um, but this comes on the tails also of Britain making all those uh, agreements with China um, that uh, Britain is now China's best partner in the West and so forth and. Uh, um, so I found that to be interesting that, hey, maybe Britain will be leaving the European Union. 
Yeah, maybe Greece will be leaving the European Union. Mm -hmm. Maybe Spain will be leaving, and Portugal, or at least if they're not leaving, breaking up into chunks. I mean, Spain may break up into two or three pieces. Yeah, I saw where that was basically approved today. I think that was approved for for Spain. I don't know that it's been approved, but I the pressure so. is there. I, I don't know. I'm just telling there you. Was, I saw a, a brief comment earlier today, and I didn't read the whole article, but there is something going on with that. But what what's interesting is to me, I think, is also the time frame. We have our budget that's been renewed for two years, and it just seems like everything is kind of two years, two years. Not to say that something can't happen prior to, which I think is will, which will lead up to all these comments and projections for two years so uh, coincidence possibly but um, also in the German authorities uh, for Volkswagen they're going to need to make more than just software changes to nearly a quarter of its 2.4 million diesel cars that are being recalled in the country. Um, they're expecting about 540,000 will also need hardware changes, and uh, they're going to notify the, 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 the owners of the details. And I even heard that Volkswagen is going to send out these owners a uh, uh, a bank card or a credit card for a thousand bucks as an apology and so forth because they misrepresented these people by these automobiles thinking that you know their footprint is going to be uh you know somewhat eliminated but yet uh you know they have a problem with their um emissions so the u.s officials said that volkswagen had programmed diesel engines on 482,000 cars to disable their emissions controls when the vehicles were not being tested. Some 11 million vehicles worldwide are fitted with the software. And uh, well, This is an interesting do. thing, but it's not just an embarrassment. It's going to kill Germany. Yeah, it hurts. It could destroy Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Right now they're trying to hand out free $1,000 you know, here's here's a, here's a spend here. Here, take a little gift card for a thousand dollars. Well, that's very nice. But what if they instead of I'll take the what if instead of taking the thousand dollar gift card, people sit back and say, "Where's my lawyer? Sue these guys. I'm going to need a hundred grand out of them." There are enough potential lawsuits because this is clearly fraud. I don't see where Volkswagen has any any defense against this. If People sue them. The lawsuits could be sufficient to destroy Volkswagen. They could put them out of business. And what they're trying to do, I'll guarantee, I will bet you, that if they hand you the one thousand dollar gift card, if it's it's in the fine print, it's in the bold print, it's in the print relative to the gift card. By accepting this one thousand dollars, you agree that you're not going to sue Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. This settles. This is this is this is this is Volkswagen's total liability to you, all right? And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make out-of-court settlements with all of these people for a thousand bucks a piece, and that tells you. I mean, this isn't just people trying to play nice. This is people trying to buy off potential lawsuits, and if they're willing to pay a thousand dollars a piece to several what hundred thousand car owners. You're talking about a bunch of money. And not only that, you're talking, and they're thinking that this is the way to get off cheap. They realize that the actual lawsuit liability here is far beyond $1,000 per person. Even that, I don't know. What did they say? Did they say they had 400000 
450,000 of those vehicles is in false? Well, there's both hardware and software involved. And you have some 11 million vehicles worldwide that are fitted with the software. And then you have 2.4 million, I believe, with the diesel cars that are being recalled. So, you know, it's, you know. 11 million. And we're They're just handing out $11 million thousand dollar gift cards. You're talking about something like, what, $100 billion? I don't know if I'm doing I that. I don't know if it's going to everybody. Well, listen, i tell you what. If they're sending you a $1,000 gift card and they're not sending one to me, and I've got one of those Volkswagens, meet my lawyer. You understand? There's going to be a lawsuit. I mean, if you're not even going to try to bribe me, I will take that as a terrible insult. They're not even offering me a $1,000 bribe, Melody. I mean, I've never been so humiliated in my life. I'll have to sue them for the humiliation of not trying to bribe me. Well, speaking of recalls and so forth, I saw, too, where court today will allow... Uh, the GE problem, not the GE, but the General Motors problem, um, that they're allowed to sue for punitive damages. Which, I don't understand what problem you're talking about. Well, remember the little part that was uh, on the General Motors vehicles? Um, that they lied about, the switch, and they had hired an attorney, uh, and they were going to give, uh, they were going to settle those claims. I think at a million or something like that apiece, uh, but that didn't include any punitive damages. And I saw now that they got a ruling that they that that these people can sue General Motors for punitive damages. So. Well, there's another one. I mean, this uh -huh. is the sort of thing. This is ruinous. I mean, potentially ruinous. I don't know how much exposure. I can't imagine the General Motors. Well, I don't know. I think the, the, the million-dollar settlements, I think, were for people who died or were injured when vehicles now they can come back and do burst into flame or whatever happened. Yeah, right. But, uh, all right, they're buying them off. There couldn't have been that many. There might have been a couple hundred people. The punitive they damages? The they might have changed the switch on a million cars. Yeah, but but you there know, were only a couple hundred people who actually died in the situation. The losses, million dollars apiece, it's a, it's a problem, but it's not... But punitive damages could oh, be another, any number. That's another story completely. Yeah. And now we're going to see, I don't know, we're going to be back to riding rickshaws. We'll I mean, what do, you think, what do you think the jury... They know how to make rickshaws over there. What do you know? think the jury will think? Because here's GM, a major multinational corporation that was bailed out by the U.S. government when you know the majority of people think they should have failed. And uh, now they're sitting on a jury to decide... <laughs> The amount of money that should be given to the people that died because the GM uh, elite in there, the, the executives, uh, covered up a story of a faulty part just to make more money, and yet mm -hmm. they still failed. So I can't imagine that those punitive damages, would, unless they can limit them somehow, I think they would be significantly high. Oh, they're going to be because... <laughs> GM has already admitted by paying a million dollars for every person who got hurt, they've already admitted they're guilty. So if there's punitive damages, the only question is how much. And it's going to be high if the jury has anything to say about it because of those reasons I just mentioned. Perhaps and there's, so. there's another Aha. reason. See, now you got caught by the music. Yep, See? I stop. Aha. No, you didn't. You're still talking. All right, we'll take a break for some more commercials and be back in a moment on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned.
make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. And the program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. And here's an article from The Street. The headline is, U.S. Federal Reserve is failing as world's central bank. There's a power vacuum in international monetary policy leadership in the U.S. With an inactive Federal Reserve isn't doing anything to fill it. Cash, then, might become yet more attractive to investors and portfolio managers. What does that mean if cash is becoming more attractive? It means deflation. And that's what it means. If it's becoming more attractive, it's because it's becoming more valuable. And they are talking indirectly, and they're saying, look, cash might become more attractive. because and they're blaming because the Federal Reserve has been inactive. And so that's the message coming from Mohammed El-Aryan, the chief economic advisor to Alliance and chair of President Obama's Global Development Council. Yesterday, Orion's opinion piece in the Financial Times titled Divergence by Central Banks Makes Cash an Attractive Prospect, underscored his running theme, namely that countries' monetary policies are closely intertwined and there is a vacuum in leadership. This is a gap that the U.S. could fill but has not. What he's arguing here is that All of the countries of the world are now so intertwined that what one country does affects another country. You can't have an economic policy in the United States that doesn't affect 
Germany. And Germany can't have an economic policy that ultimately doesn't affect the United States. And Hilarion writes, persistent policy divergence, divergence will be hard to maintain given the interconnectedness of international financial markets. He's saying he's concerned about persistent policy divergence. He's saying, oh my gosh, it's a policy that Germany, it's a problem that Germany has one economic policy and the U.S. has another economic policy and Japan has another one and China has a fourth. And he's arguing a sense for a new world order. He's arguing for a single monetary system, a single system that, that puts us all and we're all going to go into inflation at the, at the same time or we're all going into deflation at the same time and the inflation rate is the same and globally and someone is in a position to, to control that. And he's saying that's not happened. And he's, he's concerned that the persistent policy divergence that now seems to exist in the world will not be maintainable saying if we have too many people pulling in too many different directions, it's going to pull the whole thing apart. And he says, this leaves the United States in a dilemma because of the limits to U.S. willingness to allow its currency to carry the burden of the adjustment process. Now, I agree with him that the United States has been carrying the burden of the, adjust of the adjustment process. But he doesn't spell out what that burden is. And we've talked about it on the program. We have a teeter-totter relationship with other nations. For example, particularly with the U.S. dollar index, we've got six foreign countries sitting on one end of the teeter-totter and the United States sitting on the other end. Those foreign countries, I don't know if I can name them all, Japan, the European Union, uh, Great Britain, yeah, I said Japan already, um, Swiss and... Swedish, if I recall correctly, their currencies sit on one end of the teeter-totter. If they all have or need or are desperately dependent upon inflation, right? when their currencies inflate, the dollar has to deflate. We're on the other end of the currency teeter-totter. And when he talks about the U.S. government and the, the U.S currency carrying the burden of the adjustment process, I believe what he's saying is, look, the Europeans got to have inflation to try to stimulate their economy out of a depression, and they are begging the United States to go along and continue to allow U.S. deflation. That's contrary to the government's interests. Deflation is contrary to the interests of every debtor. It's great for creditors, but it's terrible for debtors. Uh, We've talked, mentioned the same thing every time I talk about it. We have, if you've ever bought a house, someone has encouraged you to buy. They said you'll be able to pay off your mortgage with cheaper dollars. All right? That's because they anticipated inflation. Inflation lets you pay off your debt with cheaper dollars. Deflation does exactly the opposite. Inflation helps us. Oh, I can afford a mortgage for 300000 or 500000 or whatever. I, can, I wouldn't normally do that, but I can do it because inflation will let me pay off my debt with cheaper dollars. I can go deeper into debt if I know there's going to be inflation. When there's deflation, you can't go deeper into debt. You can't pay the existing debt. More people go into bankruptcy, and the biggest debtor in the world is the government of the United States. Deflation is potentially lethal to the government of the United States. We are assuming the burden 
of that deflation. We're allowing deflation to happen in this country uh, in apparently as an accommodation to the nation, other nations of the world. <clears throat> and this is what I think El Arian is touching on when he talks the burden of the adjustment process is being borne by the United States. Yeah, these other countries, they're inflating. We're deflating. All right? Deflation is bad. It's a characteristic of economic depression. If we continue to go into deflation, we are going to see some, so we, we are not going to avoid an economic collapse, at least in this country. Now, someone is betting that we can endure a little more deflation, or maybe we've got to bite the bullet for the sake of the global economy or the new world order. But I'm just saying, look, I don't think it can be sustained. This government needs inflation in order to go deeper into debt. And if they don't get inflation, they're going to pay, be paying off that massive U.S. debt with more valuable dollars, which will effectively increase the size of the debt. Even though the nominal size stays the same, the purchasing power will increase. It'll be a problem that will push the government closer to, insolve, to overt insolvency and perhaps a declaration of bankruptcy. So... <clears throat> Elarian continues and says either the Fed will have to reverse course as the U.S. economy is pressured by persistent weakness in Europe and emerging world, meaning, and the course is we're going to accept deflation to allow Europe to inflate so they can boost their economy and we'll, and we'll sink ours, or at least a little bit. They either have to reverse course and stop that and say, to heck with it, we're not having any more deflation. To heck with all of you. You have your problems. We got ours. We're going back. We're going to make inflation happen in this country. That would be the reversal, of course, in my opinion. Or, according to El Arian, a more comprehensive policy response out of Europe reinvigorates growth there, enabling the European Central Bank to start its own policy normalization process. That is just wishful thinking. The European Union is impotent to solve its own economic problems. They are not going to have a new, more comprehensive policy response out of Europe. That's not happening, which means if we've got an either-or situation and one of them is a comprehensive policy response, change in policy out of Europe, that's not going to happen, in my opinion. If Hilarion's right, then the Fed has to reverse course. We've got to see an end to the deflation. We've got to see somebody's got to pull out the stops and say, we're going to make inflation happen no matter what. We're not going to tolerate being pushed deeper into deflation by European and other countries sitting on that teeter-totter, and they get inflation, we get deflation. If we get inflation, they get deflation. All right? It's an adversarial relationship. But should we sacrifice ourselves to support them? Or should we just say to heck with it? You guys got a problem? Too bad for you. We're going to take care of number one. I don't know what's going to happen here, but my argument for several years has been that the government can't deal with deflation. And if they allow it to persist, it will take the government down because it's the biggest debtor in the world. So what does that prove? doesn't prove anything right now. It proves that we have two choices in front of us. <clears throat> Either the government's going to risk insolvency and a kind of national destruction, certainly national depression, or the government's going to go back to inflation and perhaps even hyperinflation in, try to, in order to try to get out of the debt 
hole that they've dug for themselves. So which is it going to be, Melody? What do you think? Are we going into a depression or are we going into inflation and or hyperinflation? Well, I think in the future we're actually going to get both. But right now it's inflation because that's what they need. That's what we're going to have. And the, the people out there who, who purchase things that, you know, for health care to live, things are higher. We do have Some things are higher. No, lots of Some things, things are, are higher. No, lots of things are higher. Maybe TVs are cheaper. Gasoline is the only thing that has really have gone down. And that couple bucks that they save, you know, once a week or once a month or every other week or whatever is certainly not enough to compensate for everything else that is going up, you know, by bigger amounts. I, I mean, don't know. Again, I, I mean, think... you look at health care. Everything that you buy. Oh, health care is going expensive. up. Yeah, I get Health care. Energy costs. You're, you're the, no, heat, energy costs aren't going up. To heat, well, you know what? Let's ask the people when they fill their oil tanks for, for the winter. Let's see if the prices really have dropped, you know, significantly. They really haven't, not to the degree that, you know, the uh, uh, oil prices have actually fallen. You know, well, there's you, a lot of things out there. Everything. Down in, in direct proportion, but nevertheless. You, you look at clothing. Continues to scream that they can't get inflation up 2%. Yeah. Their target rate, they can't seem to achieve that. They're less than running less than a, they're running less than one percent. If you can believe, yeah, and they're the same ones that tell us that we have a an employment rate of five percent. They're lying. Well, sometimes they they're are. lying. It's like just a like when they clock, tell us that it tells G- the truth twice a day. Just like you know, they tell us the GDP tells the truth once in a while. Just like the GDP is oh, we're doing we're doing great. You know, just like the world is doing great, they're lying. They adjust all the numbers to make it to whatever they need, and that's the problem. Well, that's one of the big problems, but it doesn't mean they lie every single time. Once in a while, just to keep in practice, they might try telling the truth. Now, I know it's not likely to happen very often, but still it could happen. And it's the sort of thing, you know, it's like studying Latin or Greek or French or something like that. You know? Someone told and, me yesterday, someone was telling me yesterday, they go to Walmart to Walmart. They're shocked at the prices that are being seen at Walmart, <coughs> how much they're rising. It's like, yeah, China has inflation. They're exporting their inflation back to us. That's what we did for so many years. We exported our inflation, you know, all the jobs and everything was going overseas and and uh uh you know, so our prices were lower and so forth. Now they're sending it back because their inflation is higher. So, I mean, we're in a world of inflation. There isn't anything that's going to go down. The, the, the money is out there. You know, when I see football stadiums that are half empty, then you can tell me we're deflationary. But when people are still out there paying, you know, $100 a pop for tickets and $20 for a hot dog and a beer, <laughs> that, it's just the money is out there. So... I get that with the dollar strength. We've seen it. We're almost at a at a hundred. Yeah, that's deflation. That that, that is it, our dollar is getting stronger. And you're right, Al. It really is killing the government. It's killing the multinational corporations, which are the government anymore. You know, they're they're getting creamed, and so, and it will reverse itself. And blah blah blah. So that's how I feel about it. 
inflation and people out there that are doing jobs for things. I hear people tell me all the time, Melody, I'm working harder than I've ever worked before. I have more business than I've had before. But yet I'm making less money, and a lot of that is taxes. A lot of that, you know, everything is so competitive out there. So I would have to think to that degree we'd be seeing a little bit of deflation there because everything is so competitive. You know, people are doing things at very low prices. Plus you have a lot of people out of jobs, so they're out there going out on their own, doing little odds and ends, getting into landscaping, getting into, you know, being a plumber and all this kind of stuff or or house repairs and so forth. So there's a lot of competition there. Bank robbery was popular during our last deflationary episode. That was the Great Depression. We had Bonnie and Clyde. Well, look at our crime. Look at our crime rate. Our crime rate. I'll tell you what, but where we are, folks, is we're going to have to resume this discussion at a later date, maybe tomorrow or maybe the day after. Tomorrow we'll have Greg Hunter on the program. Melody and I will be back with Greg Hunter tomorrow on Financial Survival. Thanks for listening today. Hope you'll tune in tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. There never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Landset.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L-A-N-S-E-T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. 
What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Everybody, welcome to Moon Day, American Voice Radio. Program is Freedom Call. I'm your host. My name is Bo Greit. Best way to communicate with me is through Al Gore. We could just find him, and Tipper could divorce him. Anyway, Al, pretty clever guy. Uh, everything, Nobel Prize, Oscar, Emmy, for crying out loud. And I guess he won the presidency, at least by popular vote, but ha he didn't get a chance to serve uh, like Mr. Obama. Do you think Al Gore would have been a better choice? I never thought I'd vote that way, but personally, if it was Al Gore uh, coming and uh, Obama going, I'd feel better about uh, the United States of America. We're going to talk about USA, and uh, let me cover a couple of things just to make sure you're up with us. We have had a fallback. Now, people on the East Coast uh, have got a, a reminder because it snowed. Now, you may say, well, bow snow is nothing uh, in New England and that kind of stuff. I mean, after all, uh, here we are uh, in uh, November, great uh, month of November, and, geez, 
uh, you know, it's time, November the 8th. Well, uh, we don't get snow out here in the desert, but it rains, so it's kind of like, I mean, the dog is going to need psychotherapy because the dog, it never rains, and so when all of a sudden, uh, last night is dark, the sky is falling. It's the end of the world. And um, uh, besides the time falling back, we get an extra hour uh, of sleep. If you are... Uh, tuned in and thought, uh-oh, something has happened uh, to Bo's uh, program. No, only thing that happened is uh, you sleep in an extra hour. We had a fall back. And this is also a Veterans Day coming. Uh, Veterans Day uh, was, uh, until World War II, uh, called uh, Armistice Day. It was Remembrance Day in uh, Great Britain. Uh, it's been called uh, different things, but the main thing is is that uh, Memorial Day is for those people who have worn the uniform of the United States that are now in the reward state. They have kept uh, their second estate here on earth. They have now gone to a reward, and we remember them through Memorial Day. Veterans Day is actually uh, for uh, all veterans. You can remember those uh, who have gone on. You can remember those who are now in service. You can remember and thank those uh, who look like I do. It's okay. It is Veterans Day. Now, Veterans Day it was kind of unique. Uh, they agreed to sign the armistice on November the 11th, and it became effective at 11 a.m. in the morning. So 11, 11, 11. Now, what has happened is states uh, have uh, changed things around Uh, because uh, people want to get off on Monday or whatever. And uh, it used to be that, uh, like during the war, uh, they would, uh, so they didn't have a slowdown, because see, when is the 11th of November? Uh, So we can have a two-minute time of silence in remembrance of uh, our veterans and what has happened and the cost. I mean, if you think about 58,000 names on a wall, uh, that uh, one part of the V uh, stands for Vietnam and for valor and for veterans. Uh, The uh, west uh, edge of the V in the wall uh, points toward Lincoln, the Lincoln Memorial. And the other point of the V points toward the, the big pencil, toward the Washington Monument. And certainly, if you go to America's most visited memorial, the Vietnam Wall, you cannot help but be touched. You cannot help but feel the energy. Uh, you cannot help but uh, be impressed and have a, a, a catharsis, have a, uh, 
a understanding of the cost of sending young men and women thousands of miles away from home to fight in a death struggle. And this is the result uh, for what government thought is right. And when we look at uh, Iraq, for example, we did that under Daddy Bush. It was called Desert uh, Shield. Then it got uh, transferred into Desert Storm. And then many me said there were weapons of mass destruction. And uh, so that we didn't have biochemical uh, nuclear attacks, we had to go and occupy uh, that uh, ancient, ancient... I mean, the city of Ur is in Iraq. The city of Ur was Abraham's hometown. And so, uh, like the Russians did in Afghanistan, uh, we attacked uh, Iraq so that we could uh, unseat and put in our own puppet uh, governor. We built the world's largest embassy, and uh, we executed Saddam Hussein, who for eight years was our boy in his war against the Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran. And uh, there weren't any weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Bush, many me, just put out a book, came out, uh, you know, it's on the shelves now, this week. And I saw him being interviewed uh, last week, and he said, uh, the major point in the book is my disappointment that there were no weapons of mass destruction uh, in our attack on uh, Iraq. My gosh. Does he mention the 4,427 uniform? That doesn't count uh, the long line of people working for the United States government uh, that weren't uh, carrying uh, cards as Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard. 4,427. To say, Mr. President, uh, there's no weapons of mass destruction. Oh, okay. So when you are thinking... Now, this is uh, comes up on Thursday at 11, wherever you are, your time. It is a two-minute. This is what is recommended. And do you know what? I, can I recommend something to you? Rather than just stopping and looking around and telling people, uh, you know, this is uh, 11 a.m., on the 11th, it's a Thursday, on the 11th of November, and we are uh, supposed to have a two minutes of silence in remembrance uh, of uh, Veterans Day, uh, which it is now. It used to be Armistice Day. Uh, World War I was the great war to end all wars. But what I would recommend... Uh, besides, and you might, uh, could, it'll be a lot more, so keep tuned in uh, to American uh, Voice Radio 
and Freedom Call. And every day I remind you of the number. That's just, that's not Afghanistan. That's 4,427 Americans killed in Iraq for no weapons of mass destruction. And uh, I would recommend that you take a Bible. If you need to, steal one of the Gideon's Bibles out of a motel. They like it when you do. Go to Psalms. Now what you do, you see Isaiah, you see Jeremiah. Uh, Psalms uh, comes up in Proverbs. They're together. So it's in the Old Testament. It's about uh, just go and a little more than halfway through the Bible, open it up, and there you'll be. And read is only a half page. You see, it it might you can uh, stretch it into two minutes. Read the ninety-first psalm. The ninety-first psalm, and uh, dedicate the ninety-first psalm that you read as a prayer to all of those who have worn the uniform of the United States, now deployed in 132 countries, all of those in Arlington and the federal cemeteries that dot our nation's landscape, all of those who have died in America's wars of liberation, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Spanish-American War, Mexican War, all of those. And just dedicate to the uniformed personnel, living or dead, past, present, and future, the 91st Psalm. You'll be impressed. You'll be glad you did. And uh, our Father in heaven, uh, the angels will rejoice. And when more than two of us agree on any such thing in the name of our Messiah, then uh, we will be given it. So that those that are now serving, that are in harm's way, might be protected with the armor of God. Because of you, who pray for them, the prayer that was written in Psalms, the 91st Psalm. Now, it was interesting because I got a uh, major surprise uh, on uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning early, I got a phone call that said, Bo, uh, can you... Uh, be present at this church that is on the south side of uh, Lost Wages. Uh, you and Ernest Bordenine, the pastor, would like because, see, here's what happens. Uh, it became a, uh, a custom, and it started out, they didn't want there to be, like in World War II, a slacking off of uh, industrial uh, progress, their quotas, because they stopped on uh, Veterans Day, on Armistice Day, 
November the 11th, if it happened to be a work day, that they stopped even for two minutes. So what happened is they began to make it the Sunday that is closest to Veterans Day. Well, you get uh, uh, today uh, being the 8th, and so uh, you have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday's Veterans Day. Well, uh, all right, then uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we're right in the middle. So last Sunday, uh, many churches, and it is right before Veterans Day, would be like this last Sunday, uh, they... Uh, had the veterans stand and come to the front. And uh, the pastor, uh, this is a large church, introduced Ernest Bordenine. Now, in January of uh, this coming year, Ernest Bordenine uh, will be 94. He stands as straight as I do, or straighter, his voice speaks with strength, authority, articulation, uh, much better than mine. He has a great sense of humor. His mind is sharp as Jim Bowie ever had on his two-edged knife. And uh, Ernie urged the people in the congregation uh, to remember, do not forget. And uh, he urged us to uh, contact our representatives about uh, our veterans, that the vets that have already died, we honor. But uh, there are wounds. You can't send a young soldier, male or female, uh, to battle in uh, Afghanistan. There are now 1,360 dead Americans. Uh, it is, when you look at the bar graph, it is exponential. It starts off and rather just rising gradually, it soars to where we are in 2010 which means that there are 5,799. Now, you know, when I left you on Friday, there was 5,789. Now it is 5,000, I said 5,787, sorry. And now it's 5,700. 99, just in the, in the couple of days. And so when it uh, came my turn, uh, the gentleman introduced uh, me, and uh, I saw no American flag in the church. And so I said, you know, if we're going to remember veterans, even though the president uh, doesn't like it, doesn't like the Pledge of Allegiance, doesn't uh, like our Constitution, <laughs> doesn't like the American flag, 
he and his wife have both gone uh, in public statements to that matter. I said, while I don't see the stars and stripes here, I know that there's a star-spangled banner waving somewhere. Remember that old country song? And so I came to attention, saluted, and I said, we still are a nation under God if we will take our country back. And I said the Pledge of Allegiance, and people uh, that were there, they may have been politically incorrect. Maybe that's why they didn't have an American flag. But a lot of people, the veterans, we remember. And so the Pledge of Allegiance is said anyway. Our prisoners of war don't have an American flag. But do you think that not in their heart of hearts, old glory is snapping as if in a stiff breeze? And every one of those prisoners of war left alone to die in the hands of our enemies because of dope. I know you may say, boy, Bo, you confuse me. I wrote a whole book about it. You can get the book. I just uh, had a very, very close friend, Doug Olson, and his bride, Marilyn Olson. I don't know better people in America. They have a family of nine. Their sons are warriors. Their daughter, the warrior. <laughs> They're most resourceful. They live off the grid. <laughs> I love them. Because they, they do everything uh, through God's grace, and it all works out just fine. And so I I think of them. They and I, I gave I, I dug out in the garage, and I gave Doug. I said, "Here is a call to serve, and here's my brother's keeper." Now you can see in those books I give you the documented proof of the reason why, and the name of the one man most responsible for our prisoners of war being left behind to die alone in the hands of our enemies. Now, if you want to know the truth, the documented truth, the truth that caused Daddy Bush to say, get Bo Greitz. The truth where my best friend and the military advisor to George Bush both begged me, Bo, we don't want to hurt a war hero, but if you do not agree to erase and forget what you found in Burma's Golden Triangle, you're going to hurt the government and you will serve 15 years in prison. Now, does that sound like something that Obama's administration might say? You're gonna, we're going to get you. You're hurting the government, meaning uh, you've exposed something 
that the head of the government is guilty of. And so they'll get you. I thought they could. I thought they'd squash me like a bug. But God is not through with me yet. And so if you're on God's side, then what do you got to fear from even the President of the United States or all of the power, the limitless money and resources? So today... Think because this last Sunday, uh, I had my and I and maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe you should be great, gracious and just say, "Oh, God bless." Because uh, I told him, I said, "Please, please, if you want to remember our veterans, uh, read the ninety-first Psalm as a prayer. Living or dead, past, present, future, it will coat them all with the armor of God." And so, uh, gosh, I, I was so pleased because after the church services, then uh, we all went to uh, eat breakfast. And, uh, you know, to get up like that and not have any idea <laughs> of, and I was able to take uh, Doug and, and Maryland, and it was just wonderful. And speak and talk with uh, Ernie Bordeniners. That guy has been in so many movies. He, his latest movie is, is on the screen right now. It's called Red, R-E-D. Bruce Willis. It's a Bruce Willis movie, but he and Ernie Bordenine uh, play uh, opposites. And uh, this next Oscars... Uh, Ernest Bordenine is going to be presented an Oscar for uh, his life achievement, which he should. This January 30th, 94 years young. And boy, you know, he served 10 years in the Navy. He was on a minesweeper. He was in the Atlantic Ernie, you see all these movie stars, and uh, some of them you think, you know, I've heard that there's some Jimmy Garner. I've heard that uh, some of these guys uh, were war heroes. Nobody ever seems to mention Ernest Bordenine, McHale's Navy. You remember him? Oh, gosh. So I had a really good time yesterday uh, being able to, and just, you know, you can't take much of maybe a minute. Uh, took me to say the pledge and to ask people. And I told them, I said, you know, the only way the Vietnam War ended was we the people. What are we going to do? We the people need to stand up and say we're coming home. All right, guys, we're going to take a break right now. A lot of news that I think you will find interesting. So please stay with American Voice Radio and its Freedom Call.
for Immigration Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. about uh, uh, Veterans Day uh, that used to be, uh, you know, uh, well, you have uh, Memorial Day. That used to be called Decoration Day. Well, we have uh, Veterans Day, and uh, that's been called Remembrance Day. And uh, it was actually, it was all about the signing, and it was called initially the Army in America, it was in England, it was called Remembrance Day. Uh, but uh, And in uh, Belgium, boy, they took a beating. And Flanders Field and this kind of stuff, it was called a day of peace. Uh, because in 1918, at 11 a.m. on the 11th day of November, the 11th month, uh, the guns went silent. And so that's why we have two minutes of silence. But rather than uh, just uh, maybe stopping for a couple of minutes, and please remind other people, will you? Uh, I, I have I watch you know news on television. I don't see <laughs> you know where they're talking about this, but it's okay. That's what uh, you know American Voice Radio is all about. And I'm a vet, and so that's why Freedom Call is a good place to learn about the government and what's going on behind the veil of national security. Because you have to admit, uh, you probably don't know anybody except me, that the president, <laughs> a Republican, uh, Daddy Bush, said, get Bo Greit. <laughs> and I thought I was God. But... Uh, didn't happen that way. Jeez, the FBI saved me and uh, down in Los Angeles. See, California is so big it ought to be three states. 
Uh, and they have uh, more than one United States uh, attorney. Usually every state has one uh, U.S. attorney appointed by the president. But in California, they only got two, I think. And uh, the one in L.A., the FBI, the agent in charge was a guy named Fred Rusty Caps, <laughs> C-A-P-P-S. And Fred uh, told the U.S. attorney, we will testify for Bo. We receive messages from the CIA to deliver to him. We know that he was working for a U.S. intelligence agency uh, throughout these years. And a uh, member of the State Department uh, diplomatic uh, protection agent investigated me and, uh, and made a statement. Having investigated uh, Colonel Bogreitz, we found that uh, he was and is serving as an, an agent uh, in a classified uh, intelligence uh, operation, and that uh, his mission was and continues to be classified. Well, you know, when they still, <laughs> Daddy Bush still said, get Bogart. So they, uh, in L.A., they dropped the charges, which the charges were violation of the Neutrality Act. That meant I'd crossed communist lines without getting permission from the communist governments. Now, does that make any sense at all? <laughs> Good grief. James Bond should have had uh, such support from uh, M or whoever it was, Q or Z. In Oklahoma, uh, it uh, was the training of the Afghan. And using uh, explosives that we got out of Fort Sill. <laughs> So uh, the grand jury uh, failed to indict. I got a letter that says you're a target. And I'm not one. Uh, if you tell me uh, I'm coming for you, Bo, uh, my response uh, is going to be either directly if you tell me or if you uh, tell uh, one of my friends, tell Bo we're coming for him, don't make me wait. Let's get this thing on. Uh, uh, my uh, school friends, you know, from grade school, junior high school, uh, they said, you know, the one thing we remember about you, Bo, as a boy, is that if there was going to be a fight, you always threw the first blow. I could never figure all this posturing, you know, kind of like a banny rooster strutting around and clucking. I mean, if there's going to be a fight, get it on. And so it's, uh, it's been an interesting life, and uh, God, to his glory and grace, uh, I have given the credit and thanks, because it's been exciting. You know, I have met people you know, like Clint Eastwood, <laughs> and, uh, you know, who was asked uh, by President Reagan to, uh, you know, to, to do what the CIA uh, thought to control me, uh, by doing, and that was make sure that we couldn't, uh, we didn't have the funds to cross the border uh, unless it was, and they, they would have never given permission because of this one guy. I'm, I'm going to make you read the book, or I'm going to make you go to the Internet and look it up. 
Who is the one guy? He ended up being number two at the State Department. Now, he ended up uh, where uh, when I came back from Burma and uh, went before Congress, Daddy Bush appointed him as the, uh, uh, the Assistant Secretary of State then. And uh, Claiborne Pell was head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And Claiborne Pell said, I'm going to investigate, uh, I'll tell you, Richard Armitage. And so rather than just being investigated, because it was a lot of common knowledge. Time Magazine has got a picture of H. Ross Perot where he went to the Pentagon and demanded that Armitage resign. And Bush told him, you leave Richard Armitage alone. Right. And uh, so it's been uh, so interesting uh, to see that Sam Nunn, remember him? Uh, he was the Senate Armed Services uh, Chairman. Sam Nunn, uh, so Daddy Bush appointed Richard Armitage Secretary of the Army. And Sam Nunn said, I'm going to investigate Richard Armitage immediately. I mean, figure this out. It's like the, you know, the Friday and the Monday before 9-11 with the stocks soaring of, you know, the put contracts for the only, it happened only for the four companies most involved, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, United Airlines, American Airlines. They knew where it was going to happen. They knew when it was going to happen. Otherwise, they you would not have seen the put contracts for those four companies actually go from like ten to four thousand on Monday, on Friday before. So Friday, then they don't do it on the weekend, and then Monday and then Tuesday, Twin Towers. I mean, is that those are people making money that have ties with the American government. And I even named uh, the guy there, A.B. Buzzy, is his nickname, Krongard, Executive Director, Central Intelligence. He was part of the largest, oldest brokerage firm in America. He was CEO before he was appointed uh, Executive Director, CIA. Now, do you think, is this, there's a guy that just got appointed to death in Connecticut for killing uh, a mom, a wife, and uh, her two daughters, one 11, murdering them, burning then uh, the house down. Well, he's sentenced as of today to die. Now, the last time they killed anybody, they executed them in Connecticut, it was like 1960. But there's like 10 people now on death row. Well, what do you think about the guy who would not say anything and allow those airliners from American and United to crash into the Twin Towers? And yet there he is sucking up uh, these uh, prophets, Morgan Stanley, 
you know, the two former firms that are most prominent in the Twin Towers, United Airlines, American Airlines. Oh, well, here we got Richard Armitage, and uh, he's going to be investigated by Sam Nunn. Jeez, immediately Richard Armitage resigns. He said, I need to spend uh, more uh, time with my family. Right. George Bush sent him instantly uh, to go and be a uh, a special advisor during his uh, initial effort into Iraq, which that whole thing was about oil, as you know. And uh, then when uh, he was a a special uh, advisor to King Hussein of Jordan, so when that was over, he then uh, sent Richard Armitage to negotiate and give away uh, Subic Bay and Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines. And so uh, the Senate has nothing to do with these kinds of appointments. It's only for those that are commissioned through the Constitution. Then the Senate must approve those appointments. So these are special envoy. That's how Obama gets away with this czar business. They aren't vetted. Senate got nothing to do with them. One guy ends up, you know, being a self-professed communist, not a socialist like Obama, but a communist. So he's gone now. Praise God. How many more communists have we got that uh, we don't know because uh, the Senate has not uh, confirmed? or had the opportunity to confirm these people. At any rate, uh, we find Armitage at the end. So once uh, Subic Bay and Clark are gone, then he is sent uh, to, remember when the wall came down, all that kind of stuff, uh, to go into uh, USSR and uh, bring back as many of the secrets top secrets that we had given to the USSR when they were in the Cold War, uh, our greatest enemy, the great Red Bear, and yet we had been supplying them with uh, classified munitions, and now Armitage goes over to Russia, and when Clinton won, uh, and Daddy Bush uh, and that was the year Perot ran. And Well, anyway, Clinton won. Uh, now Clinton fires Richard Armitage. So he goes to the Naval Academy as the ethics officer. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Anyway, point is that we, the people, have got to see through the fog of the administrations because this is a great uh, shadow, as Ollie North said, when they were trying to ask him, what was going on? How do these, uh, you know, this Nicaragua, the war, uh, how does uh, Charlie Wilson's uh, the war uh, in Afghanistan get by the Congress? And Ollie North said, there is a parallel shadow government Well, and I don't know whether people heard it or not. (laughs) So the parallel shadow government 
doesn't care if you are a Republican or a Democrat. It is the bureaucracy. It is the people that are in contractor positions, positions of influence. It is people who are allied to America. Uh, when I I was reminded in discussing uh, you know, my uh, time with the Mujahideen, training them, uh, and they did beat the Russians. Now we are like the Russians uh, in Afghanistan in our occupation. And uh, the question was asked me, well, Bo, uh, you know, how, uh, how are you funded? And I said, Stanford Technology. You see, all of these funds for illegal operations... Because America was not supposed to be in Afghanistan. We weren't supposed to be in Nicaragua, but we were. And uh, it wasn't, and, and did, uh, do you think the administration knew what was going on? Of course. <laughs> they, the people don't know. And so they keep a lot of this secret. Well, how do they pay for it? If Congress doesn't control the purse strings, because they have an ocean of unaccountable cash through drug profiting. Now, the person I was talking to last night uh, had no idea about the statistics. So I went to a CIA site, and I pulled up uh, Afghanistan and uh, showed him how... Uh, the drugs, 93% of the world's uh, heroin goes from Afghanistan right straight across Iran, Iran to Turkey, where it is distributed as heroin because Turkey's, you know, the Ottoman Empire, remember that? We're talking about World War One. I. I mean, Turkey is, you can't do things like uh, manufacture and ship and all of these things uh, out of Afghanistan is too visible. But Turkey is, there are places to set up heroin factories all over the place. And so then I pulled up the statistics. And here you have Afghanistan, one of the poorest countries, the poorest people on earth. And uh, it says they are supplying 93% of the world's requirement for opiates. In Afghanistan, where we're, we're losing people, uh, it was uh, 1,360 killed when I left you Friday. It's 1,372 now. Will it be more tomorrow? And so it's absolutely incredible that there can be 8,400 tons of opiates. And then what it says on both the CIA site and you go to Wikipedia and put in opium production and see what comes up. You know, it will tell you right there. And credit, it's hard to believe. 
And do our American soldiers know about this? Are the 12 who were killed from this last Friday until now, Monday, do those 12 know that they are securing uh, 8,400 tons of opiates to go across Iran to Turkey to be sold as heroin? And then much of that money is used by organized crime that distribute heroin for a million dollars a pound for pure Asian heroin. But it also tops the coffers of the shadow government so they can do these things that they do. Let me uh, give you some quick uh, information here. I loved it when at the town meeting, uh, the uh, head a woman would not say the pledge, and a man stood up and said, are we going to say the Pledge of Allegiance? She says, no, that's not part of our program. And then everybody just stood up and said the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States flag. Hallelujah. Well, there is a church. It is called the uh, uh, West uh, Borough Baptist church. And what they do is uh, they protest uh, Americans who have been killed in action that are being buried. And uh, so uh, they uh, went to a uh, a place uh, where Sergeant uh, Sedell, S-E-D-E-L-L, was being buried, and uh, they were going to, they have all these really ugly, filthy, profane uh, epitaphs that they put up at these demonstrations, and it's, it was so neat. It was in Weston, Missouri. The people of Weston, Missouri overwhelmed these protesters and just shove them out. <laughs> and the funeral and the honor of Sergeant uh, Sedell went on without interruption. Hallelujah. I love Americans when they stand up. <laughs> and so keep doing it. Pelosi says she wants to lead uh, the minority in the House, uh, but uh, there's a lot of her own kind that uh, say it's time for her uh, to go. And do you know that tonight, for example, there's $815 million to be given to first responders like the New York Fire Department for people who say that they uh, inhale toxins uh, during 9-11. But the payoff of $815 million almost a billion dollars, they have to have 95% of the people who have said uh, that they have been injured to agree uh, to accept this $815 million. And it expires at midnight. If they don't have 95%, it all goes away. And so they got 92% now. The other 8%, I guess, are holding out because they think they'll get more money 
uh, it's reported if they individually sue, uh, you know, for uh, 9-11. Anyway, pretty interesting. And that stops. And uh, also, uh, there's a report that's out today that says America is not doing well in Kandahar province. Uh, that is a, a, a Taliban-predominant uh, state uh, in Afghanistan. But friends, when you read about the opium uh, being 8,400 tons and 93% coming out of Afghanistan, you will see where it says that during the period of the Taliban, there's no measurable opium, opiates, coming out of Afghanistan. The Taliban, and that's why we had to get rid of the Taliban, because Karzai, who's president, our president of uh, Afghanistan, can you imagine 8,400 tons? And by the time it gets refined in Turkey into heroin, it's uh, on the streets of New York and L.A. and Chicago. It's selling for a million dollars a pound. Now, they cut it all up so it goes for much less, but that's pure, a pure pound. of. Can you see the profits there? They couldn't afford. See, and when the Russians left Afghanistan because they were beaten by the Mujahideen, now the tribal units of Afghanistan uh, break up and start to become individual states. But we couldn't have that. So the Taliban was encouraged and supported by the United States and Pakistan to go in and take power in Afghanistan to unify the nation so that it wouldn't uh, break up into these little self-fighting fiefdoms. Well, but on when all, well, they, nobody suspected that the Taliban would uh, stop all the opium production. So when they did, you have to get rid of the Taliban. So we are in Afghanistan for what? Other than it's our soldiers Twelve of them killed just since uh, Friday when I left you at this time. we got to stand up, friends. It's Remembrance Day. we got to get these people home. Don't let these people uh, be killed, be maimed, be injured uh, in Afghanistan so that Karzai and the parallel government can get rich. And Obama can bypass the Constitution. It's up to us, the United States. Stay where you are, American Voice Radio, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. Upon their chest, these are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three. The Green Beret Trained to live Off nature's land Most 
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
to the Constitutional Crusaders Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is Monday, November 9th, 2015. It is the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening to some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust accordingly. This is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is, of course, we do give an exemption to those members of Media Matters, the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as agents of the government that are paid to listen to this show, because, after all, if we was to require any of those types of people to think, that would create a hostile work environment, and I don't want to be responsible for that. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. The number is 1-800-932-1980, or you may contact your host directly via Yahoo Instant Messenger, via Yahoo Instant Messenger ID, imagine that, KC7AQK, as is our want. We like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. Socialism, like the ancient ideas from which it springs, confuses the distinction between government and society. As a result of this, Every time we object to a thing being done by government, the socialists conclude that we object to its being done at all. We disapprove of state education. Then the socialists say that we are opposed to any education. We object to a state religion. Then the socialists say that we want no religion at all. We object to a state-enforced equality. Then they say we are against equality, and so on. And so on, end quote. Well, my friends, I have read in the past few weeks over a dozen articles on why socialism is good. And all those articles conflate civic responsibilities with socialism. Frederick Bastiat, from the above quote, deflates that conflation Very well. And, of course, you can find that quote in his little pamphlet, which I believe, personally, is a must-read if you love liberty and you love the concept of, of a just constitution. Read his little booklet called The Law. It isn't very thick, my friends. You can read the whole thing in an afternoon. Okay? We have... 21 pages in our show newsletter, your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom, and we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. <laughs> 
Remember, my friends, my job is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. And I do both of those things the same way, by asking questions, just like you can too. But you need to understand what the questions are that you need to ask. And furthermore, never, ever, ever ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Because if you're asking someone that's in the powers that be the question and you don't know the answer, you may not like the answer they give you very much. (laughs) Trust me, it's uh, not a pleasant experience to get one of those moments of indoctrination from the powers that be, because they will sense that you don't know what the answer is, and the answer they give you has nothing to do with reality. Okay. (sighs) My friends... It is with great sadness that I must start this show with a eulogy. This eulogy is entitled, The Death of Common Sense. Quietly weeping mourners braved dark clouds and chill winds yesterday to attend the graveside services for common sense, which finally passed away this week after a long and painful and ultimately hopeless battle with liberalism. The final blow was thought to be the Department of Education's ruling that a transgendered student who self-identifies as female but was born male and still has male genitalia must be allowed to shower with the girls on the school soccer team. To the school's credit, They had previously done everything possible to accommodate the girl with something extra, including providing a privacy curtain for shower time, but that wasn't acceptable to the student, who is apparently either an asshole or a, well, it rhymes with witch, I'll put it that way, depending on whether you believe gender is discretionary or genetic. Which is why the Department of Education conducted a taxpayer-funded two-year investigation into what should be done, and the Dems are whining about the length of the Benghazi hearings? Well, they did this two-year investigation before determining that the student was being discriminated against, quote, on the basis of sex, end quote. Because, no doubt, they didn't want to say on the basis of having a skin flute. Hmm, no. Quote, All students deserve the opportunity to participate equally in school programs and activities. This is a basic civil right, said Assistant U.S. Secretary Catherine Lamont, adding... including showering with nubile young athletic women, their skin delightfully flushed from their exertions, and watching the sinuous streams of water course sensually over their firm young breasts before racing down, down, down to disappear into the heady, tangled forests surrounding their teammates' forbidden love grottos. Okay, she didn't say that last part, word for word, but we're pretty sure it was what she was implying. Well, 
Your host isn't against reasonable accommodations of transgendered people, but that word reasonable needs to be emphasized with a Louisville slugger if necessary, which should be the case when dealing with other ludicrously clear cases in which, quote, self-identifying, end quote, doesn't make something true. And I just don't mean the Rachel Delonzo's blackness or Elizabeth Warren's claim to be a Native American or a meds detonator that identifies as a clock or how about B.O.'s transparent ludicrousy asserting that he's a Christian? For instance, just for instance, a 12-year-old who identifies as an adult shouldn't get to buy booze. A 25-year-old who identifies as a senior citizen shouldn't be able to collect Social Security payments. And an 11-year-old who identifies as a grown woman shouldn't be able to be a consensual sex partner for a pederast. Yet, yet, in our society, it seems increasingly likely that any and all of these things could come to pass. We have an instant message. I'll bet it's because I didn't use a proper word. Uh, or, or Obama, yes, well, Obama identifies being black. Yes, right, exactly. Okay, that's, that's true, yes. So, if common sense was still with us, we think it would present us with an elegant, simple solution to the problems above. The requirements of a no-dick sign outside the girls' shower room, and perhaps an identical one to tell the dicks in Washington to start solving problems instead of inventing them. Okay, that was a little bit satirical, I'll admit. So how about something, well, that's also a little bit satirical from Ben Shapiro. Oh, by the way, the, the above was mostly from the uh, website entitled Hope and Change, which... Um, is really great source of material for your host, my friends. Be, especially when I'm feeling a little bit down and blue, all I have to do is go to Hope and Change and start reading their cartoons, and it never fails in its uh, ability to cheer me up. But Ben Shapiro, author of Primetime Propaganda, the true Hollywood story of how the left is trying to destroy America, also by Ben Shapiro, and as well as other works, but I do love that primetime um, uh, propaganda book. It is really good, and I was just reading it uh, off the cover on my bookshelf, my friends. Anyway, he writes and says, The federal government has declared itself fit for the madhouse by mandating that a Chicago high school allow a full biological male into the girls' locker room for all purposes, including nudity. This biological male, the feds determined, was different because he thinks he is a female. The feds have overruled that the presence of a twig and berries in the girls' locker room has been mandated by Title IX of the Civil Rights Act. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, 
and non-cisgenders, it turns out that the battle against sexism enshrined in the ill-written Title IX was actually intended to force underage young women to look at the penises and testicles of mentally ill boys. We call this progress. Yes, the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights spent almost two years, and again, the libturds complain about the length of the Benghazi hearings. Anyway, almost two years checking out the Township High School District 211 because of the transgender <clears throat> girl. He filed a complaint with the feds in 2013 after the school refused, quote, unrestricted access, end quote, to the girls' locker room. The district eventually agreed to allow the boy into the girls' room so long as he used a privacy screen while disrobing. That wasn't good enough. The feds determined that this still constituted discrimination. Why? As John Knight, director of the Alphabet Soup LGBT and AIDS project with the ACLU, stated that this was, quote, blatant discrimination, end quote. He explained, well, we think it's a he, unless he identifies differently today, so we'll just just assume that it's a he, explained, quote, it's not voluntary, it's mandatory for her. It's one thing to say to all the girls, you can choose if you want some extra privacy, but it's another thing to say, you and you alone must use them. That sends a pretty strong signal to her, and she's not, that she's not accepted, and the district does not see her as a girl. Well, end quote, by the way. Well, perhaps the district does not see <clears throat> her as a <clears throat> girl because <clears throat> she is not a she, a her, or a girl. Nonetheless, the Office of Civil Rights agreed with the Assistant Secretary of Civil Rights, Catherine Lamont, averring, saying that, uh, uh, well, actually, I read that up in the hope and change thing, but I'll do it again here. All students deserve the opportunity to participate equally in school programs and activities. This is a basic civil right. Unfortunately, Township High School District 211 is not following the law because the district continues to deny a female student the right to use the girls' locker room. Well, as Ben Shapiro points out, the student is not female, but never mind that. The subjective opinion of a mentally ill person now governs a student body of some 12,000. So, here in a nutshell is the government's new policy with regard to sex and sexuality among youngsters. If you're a boy who shows a picture of your penis to a girl in your class, you have likely violated both federal child pornography laws as well as local sexual harassment laws. If this happens consistently in your school, the school has violated Title IX. If you're a boy who says he's a girl, the girl must be placed in the position to see your penis and testicles. If the school does not allow this, the school has violated Title IX. If you're a boy who says he's a girl, the girl must be placed in position to see, or I said, I'm sorry, I skipped. If you're an adult, sorry, if you're an adult who sexually touches a child with the consent of the child, you have committed a crime since children are incapable of consent. And finally, if you are an adult 
who gives a child hormone therapy or surgery to prevent normal development of the genitalia with the consent of the child, well, you are a hero. So, if all this makes sense to you, you should be working for the Federal Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Education. This is what happens when a society loses its moral moorings. In its quest to destroy God, the left unhitched its wagon from eternal truths and instead decided to substitute its own idea of utopia. To reach that utopia, freedom from social expectations and standards, objectivity itself had to be destroyed so as to avoid blame. Objective truth lost all meaning. Only subjectivity mattered. Science became the enemy since it establishes provable truths. It had to be quashed and quelled. Language became the enemy since definitions exclude people and things not covered by those definitions. It had to be perverted and hijacked. So, we now live through the looking glass, waiting for the next philosophically incoherent ruling from our masters of time and space, or mistress, or whatever. (laughs) There you go, my friends. Now, this is... I've been warning you for a long time, a very long time. It is one thing to be tolerant of someone's beliefs, someone's practices, etc. But you are only required to be tolerant of the fist swinging in your direction until the fist impacts your face, then you no longer have to be tolerant. My friends, with this ruling here, among other things I've reported to you in the past, but this is just the latest example, with this ruling, the fist has firmly impacted the face. (laughs) You know, uh, hello. I mean, like I said, they bent over back words to accommodate. Okay, you want to use the girls locker room. Fine, no problem. Here's a privacy screen. And nope, nope, that wasn't good enough. I need to be there where everyone can see me and I can see everyone else. Uh-huh. Right. I I just I I I just don't know what to add to that, my friends. I really don't. Okay. As you may know, I call myself on many occasions a son of the Golden Republic, having been born in San Francisco, at least so they told me so. But I escaped from California in the late 70s, and there's finally something here that California doesn't want to boast about. And because of that, I am so happy to tell you about it. Headline, all 20 of the worst small cities in America are in California. There you go. Oh, we have an instant message. Miss D in Oregon, 
I can only presume, yes, by reading this instant message, I know exactly that I, I'm presuming that she's referring to the <clears throat> previous article about um, the uh, <clears throat> little boy who thinks she's a girl. Miss D writes, this would only be acceptable if girls were no longer accused of being at fault for being raped because of their clothing. No boys in gym lockers. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, uh, and the thing is that uh, girls aren't at fault for being raped because that is a very, very much a, an Islamic philosophy which has unfortunately permeated us here to some extent in the West, uh, given to us and, and promulgated by the feminist movement, okay? Uh, so, you know, thank you, feminism, for introducing the Islamic idea there. Yeah, that was really kind of you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. No, I don't appreciate that. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes, i got about four minutes here. Let's see how far we can get here. Oh, so like I was saying, all 20 of the worst small cities in America are in California. It seems that the annual Wallet Hub's 2015 Best and Worst Small Cities in America found that all 20 of the worst small cities in America to live are all in California. Each year, Wallet Hub publishes a list of the best small cities in America by measuring cities with population size between 25,000 and 100,000 residents. In other words, the town I live in doesn't qualify for this, my friends. It's way smaller than that. Um, Anyway, so the, so that's what they define as a small city, between 25,000 and 100,000. According to to a scoring system, this is how they did it, a scoring system between 0 and 100 rating in four factors. One, affordability. Two, economic health. Three, education and health. And finally, number four, quality of life. In addition, WalletHub compiles 22 relevant metrics on each city. California seldom dominates a ratings list for anything, but the not-so-golden state managed to have the 22nd or the 22 lowest-ranked towns of the 1,268 small cities in America. Here's the bottom five. Linwood, California, ranked 1264 with a rank of 29. Compton, California, ranked 1265 with a score of 28.63. Bell Gardens, ranked 1266 with a score of 27.76. Huntington Park, ranked 1267 with a score of 27.59. And finally, Bell, California, ranked 1268 with a score of 26.78. It should not be surprising, if you've been a long-time listener to this show, that Bell, California won the booby prize for the worst small town in America since its infamous former city manager, Robert Rizzo. I remember I told you, you know, not to be confused with Rizzo the Rat on the Muppets. 
I've told you that before, and now I'm reminding you, was convicted on 69 counts in a corruption scheme that nearly bankrupted the small blue-collar city, and he is currently serving a 12-year prison term and has been ordered to make restitution of $8.8 million in corruption scheme. Um, anyway, oh, I got an instant message here. What do we got here? It's still difficult to believe Compton didn't win. <laughs> yes, but, but more on that. Actually, why don't we just do that? It is difficult to believe that Compton didn't win. But on the other side of the upcoming break that's coming here any second now, I'll tell you why Compton didn't win, okay? So I hope that's fair enough, because you really want to hear this, because this really is a show-and-tell of just how far the Golden State has slid. My father saw the handwriting on the wall in the early 70s, and we made our escape in the late 70s, and, well... It's happened. It's here and now. So you stay tuned. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, Amroy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs everywhere. Why? Because I do things like this, my friends. We left off the last half hour talking about the how California has dominated the list with 22 of the, the the bottom 22 of the worst small cities in America all being in California and we ranked out the last bottom five and we left off of course with the bottom one uh, being Bell California and why well because we talked about Robert Rizzo the the uh, former city manager and and how he's been ordered to make restitution of 8.8 million dollars in corruption scheme because after all Rizzo paid himself an $800,000 a year salary which is twice the salary of the president of the United States and with benefits his total compensation was 1.5 million a year in a city where a quarter of the population lives below the federal poverty line wallet hub commented and see now my friends this is the reason why compton didn't win, if you will, by being at the very bottom, because Bell, California, was even worse. So WalletHub commented that, quote, life in a small city demands that some trade-offs, such as shorter business hours, a heavier reliance on cars, and fewer dating opportunities, end quote, well, a salary like that will buy a comfortable standard of living in a smaller city, uh, will not go very far in a metropolis, but anyway, California manages to be the bottom dweller for both small and big cities for the top 25 major metropolitan areas in 2013. The city of Los Angeles managed to achieve the crown prince as America's poorest big city, according to analysis by the American Community-Based Consensus Bureau data. Los Angeles, Long Beach, Anaheim took the booby prize for having the highest poverty rate in the country at 17.6%, and California's overall rate of poverty was also the top contender at 16.8%. Yeah, there you go, my friends. So, yeah, Compton is bad, but Bell was worse. Okay, now, it's not often 
that you have officials or even former officials from the government actually open their mouths and start to tell the truth. So when they do, you should sit up and take notice. For example, former GAO head says U.S. national debt is actually about $65 trillion. Yes, last Sunday on New York City's AM970, Host John Kastamitis welcomed former U.S. Comptroller of the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, Chief David Walker on his The Cats Roundtable program. In the interview, Walker said that Americans have, quote, lost touch with reality, end quote, when it comes to spending, and he warned that the national debt in the United States is more than triple than what people believe it to be. Quote, if you end up adding to that $18.5 trillion that most people think we have as a national debt, is what he was talking about. So he, he goes on in, in the quote, he says, if you end up adding to that $18.5 trillion, the unfunded civilian and military pensions and retiree health care, the additional underfunding for Social Security, the additional underfunding for Medicare, various commitments and contingencies that the federal government has, the real number is about $65 trillion rather than the $18 trillion, and it's growing automatically absent reforms, end quote. <sighs> yeah, yep, yep. Then, of course, that's one of the tenets of Saul Alinsky's book on how to turn a country into a socialist country is to explode their debt. You know, and, and of course, Stalin and, and Marx all thought the same thing. You know, planks of the Communist Manifesto, you know, explode the debt and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone who's listening to the sound of my voice right now should know who Mike Rowe is. In case you don't, he was the host of that ever-popular show called Dirty Jobs. Well, since he's left Dirty Jobs, so if you're watching Dirty Jobs and you go, what do you mean it's still on? Well, you're just watching reruns, my friends. Uh, but since he's left Dirty Jobs, he's gone and been doing a lot of great stuff, and I really have to applaud him for what he's done. He, he's doing really good work, and for that he should be praised. Well, he's recently has come head-to-head -head with that PMS NBC host and race baiter Melissa Paris Harry, who and and why? Well, because Melissa Paris Harry slammed a Latino Republican guest for describing House Speaker Paul Ryan as a quote hard worker end quote because to her that is Melissa Paris Harry, the term hard worker only applies to former black slaves. Well, Mike Rowe heard about this and responded saying, Melissa Paris Harry appears to be put off by the suggestion that hard work is too often linked with success. She doesn't like the fact that many 
hardworking individuals have not enjoyed the same measure of success as Speaker Ryan, who is being acknowledged on her show for his excellent worth at work for his excellent work ethic, end quote. Well, in fact, when the Republican guests referred to Ryan as a hard worker, Harris Perry ranted about how she keeps an image of slaves working in cotton fields on her office walls as, quote, a reminder of what hard work really looks like, end quote. Then she says, but in the context of relative privilege, when you talk about work-life balance, the moms who don't have health care aren't called hard workers. We call them failures. We call them people who are sucking off the system, end quote. Huh. Well, here's the rest of Mike Rowe's amazing response. He says, to me, it sounds as though Melissa is displaying images of slavery or drudgery in her office to remind herself that of what hard work really and truly looks like. That's a bit like hanging images of rape and bondage to better illustrate the true nature of human sexuality. Whatever her logic might be, it's difficult to respond without first pointing out a few things that most people will find screamingly obvious. So, let's do that. First of all, slavery is not hard work. It's forced labor. There's a big difference. Likewise, slaves are not workers. They are, by definition, property. They have no freedom, no hope, and no rights. Yes, they work hard, obviously, but there can be no work ethic among slaves because the slave has no choice in the matter. Workers, on the other hand, have free will. They are free to work as long as they wish or not. The choice is theirs. And the decision to work hard or not is not a function of compliance or coercion. It's a reflection of character and ambition. This business of conflating hard work with forced labor not only minimizes the importance of a decent work ethic, it diminishes the unspeakable horror of slavery. Fortunately, people do, or excuse me, Unfortunately, I apologize, I left off the un. Unfortunately, people do this all the time. We routinely describe bosses as slave drivers and paychecks as slave wages. Melissa, though, has come at it from the other side. She's suggesting that because certain <clears throat> hard workers are not as prosperous as other <clears throat> hard workers, like the people on her office wall, we should all be super careful about the overly praising of hard work. 
I suspect, Mike Rowe continues, I suspect this is because Melissa believes, as do many others, that success today is mostly a function of what she calls relative privilege. This is a fancy talk for the simple fact that life is unfair. And some people are born with more advantages than others. It's also a fine way to prepare the unsuspecting viewer for the extraordinary suggestion that slavery is proof positive that hard work doesn't pay off. Obviously, Mike Rose says, I don't see the world the same way as Melissa. But we do have something in common, like her. I keep a picture on my office wall. I keep it there to remind me of what happens when you need a plumber but can't find one. It's also a nice reminder of what a good plumber these days has a hell of a lot more job security than your average news anchor. End quote. Boom. Melissa, apply this ice bandage here to that burn that I know you're feeling from what Mike Rowe had to say. I understand his words were hot and made you bothered, but <sighs> that's life. Deal with it. Yeah. Bobby Jindal, Republican Louisiana uh, Governor Bobby Jindal, has come up with a very, very astute observation that those of us that uh, hang around this radio show understand innately, but unfortunately most of the country doesn't anymore, so let's point it out to him, shall we? He says... Immigration without assimilation is an invasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he said. Executive Chairman and host Stephen K. Bannon in this uh, uh, um, a debate where he said this, my friends, asked Jindal why assimilation is so critically important for where we stand as a country. The U.S. must make sure that ha- what's happening in Europe doesn't happen in America, Jindal said, saying, quote, one of the things that America is so proud of, and rightfully so, we have been this melting pot for so long, the left doesn't want that anymore. They want to call us a salad bowl. They think it's culturally arrogant or xenophobic to insist that people that want to come to America to assimilate. And that's nonsense. He continued by saying, the reality is we don't want to make anybody come here. Millions of people all over the world want to come here. And folks that don't want to become Americans shouldn't come. And the reality is they shouldn't come and use our freedoms to undermine the freedoms of other people, end quote. Mm-hmm. I agree with uh, Governor Jindal. He also went on to say, let's be really honest about this. Immigration without assimilation is not immigration. It's an invasion. When you look at what's happening in Europe, you've got second and third generation immigrants that don't consider themselves part of those societies, those cultures, those values. We mustn't let that happen here, end quote. 
Well, there are things we can do at home, here at home. Let's get away from these hyphenated Americans. You know, we've got a divider-in-chief in the White House, and personally, I'm tired of the African Americans and the Asian Americans, the rich and the poor Americans. You know, we're all Americans, and if we want a stronger immigration policy, one that makes our country stronger, not weaker, a smart one, we need to tell folks, if you want to come to our country, come here legally, learn English, adopt our values, roll up your sleeves, and get to work. Jindal explained that his parents arrived in the U.S. as legal immigrants. Quote, they didn't want to be dependent on government. That's not what they came here for. They came here to work, and they came here to be Americans, end quote. Oh, he went on to say they loved the old country, but they were very clear about this. If they wanted to raise their kids as anything other than Americans, they wouldn't have come here. They came here to be Americans. That's what we should be encouraging, end quote. Jindal also took a stand against the political establishment's blank check refugee resettlement policy. He said, quote, Let's be very politically incorrect. Islam has a problem. That problem is radical Islam, and we need to be aware of the dangers. Secretary Kerry wants to let more Syrian refugees into our country, which I disagree with. ISIS has already said they're trying to infiltrate those groups, end quote. Then he said, why would we let people come into our country to do us harm? Well, I agree with almost everything Jindal had to say. I think that he is being a little bit self-delusional, though, when he talks about that the problem is radical Islam. Once again, my friends, we need to take back the language. Radical Islam is those that say Islam is a peaceful religion. Radical Islam is those that say that there are no such thing as honor killings, that there are no such things as beheading, that, that Islam doesn't throw people off of the fifth-story uh, balconies because they're homosexuals or because a, a woman was raped by 25 men and didn't have witnesses to corroborate uh, her story that she was raped. You know, things like that. That is radical Islam. Uh, moderate Islam is the ones that believe what the Quran and Koran say, which is to invade, pillage, plunder, and, and devastate the world and set it on fire. That's normal Islam. Radical is those that don't follow the very words of the Koran and Quran. So uh, that's my only disagreement with uh, Governor Jindal. Okay, from the Gee, why am I not surprised, department? We read, campus anti-rape activists whine about guys not willing to have sex with them. Mm-hmm. So, campus anti-rape activists are now whining about these guys not willing to have sex with them. And the kicker about the whole thing? These hose beats still complain that it's the guy's fault. 
The chicks in this article, and by the way, this is written by a woman, my friends, so I will continually remind you of that because it's very important to the context of the article. So this woman writes and says, these chicks in this article are the absolute most whiny, selfish, entitled hags on the planet. And this is considering that Hillary Clinton exists, and that's saying something. This article talks about the oh-so-terrible prospect of being in an anti-rape activist on a college campus and how difficult it is for these women to get a guy to have sex with them. She's, you know, I could have told them that. So she goes and says, first, there's Megan Warner from UC Berkeley, who thinks it's strange that guys who find out what she does immediately insist that they never do anything like that. Um, well, you know, lady, you jump on people's cases when they say not all men. What are these guys supposed to think? Then there were those who were a little too eager to make it known that they would never, ever assault a woman. Quote, their first response is, I'm not one of those guys. I would never do that. I mean, what? Should I be carrying gold stars now, Megan Warner said? Well, going by your own definitions, you probably should. Then there's Chrissy Keenan from UCLA, who actually gets all in indignant and grumpy when a guy suddenly decides he doesn't want to give consent after he finds out what she does. This one's rich. You'll love this. Chrissy Keenan, a UCLA senior and the president of the Bruin Consent Coalition, a campus group that works to raise awareness regarding sexual assault on campus, said, quote, when people know of me, they don't really know the work. They hear the term feminist or sexual violence prevention, and they think super extreme bra-burning feminists, she explains, which often puts people on the defensive. So Keenan herself, though, sometimes finds it hard not to go on the offensive. She's so used to laying down the nitty-gritty details of consent that she's been known to open romantic interactions with a spiel that feels straight out of the student handbook. She animately tells a story about a recent Tinder rendezvous. She says, quote, One time I agreed to meet this guy at 8 or 9 at, a, at night. Before we met, I said to him, this is the work I do. I know the chief of police, so don't try and get creepy. I know all my rights. And five minutes later, he was like, actually, I'm really not okay with how you just assume I'm a bad guy. And I get very bad vibes from that. So we shouldn't hang out anymore. She says, then I was in a rage. He was a total F boy about consent, she said. So, it's okay for a woman to give or deny consent, but if a guy does it, suddenly he's in the wrong? Hey, girl, get your freaking views straight or get used to long, lonely nights with just your social justice cause to snuggle up to. Now, the lady writes and says, you know, I'm not a guy. But if I was, I and I constantly had to hear from these naggy bimbos that every man they ever met or ever will meet are just rapists waiting for their opportunity to force themselves onto unsuspecting women, I wouldn't take too kindly to that. 
I wouldn't want to stand next to them at a bus stop, much less date them or shudder hook up with one of them. If these feminists feel the need to preface every encounter they have with guys with a, hey, I spend my days telling the world that what, that, that, Telling the world that I, that all men are dangerous predators. Um, yeah, definitely see why they have a hard time getting any action. Odds are these guys are scared they're going to end up victims of the next Rolling Stone fake rape hit piece, and their lives will be completely ruined. After all, nothing destroys the sexy times mood, like the potential for a lawsuit and national public shaming in the media. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, I wish I had a short one in here, but I don't. Um, okay, well, I'll get started on this. Uh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll set up the, the, the preface of it, and then we'll go to break, okay? The, uh, Mike Adams, a professor at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, is not your stereotypical left-wing teacher, on the heels of a report that showed that liberal arts professors overwhelmingly support Democrats, Adams' semester opening statement to his students has gone viral. It was first printed in Town Hall in late August, and over the last few weeks it's been reprinted multiple times. So, here's a trigger warning, my friends. The following that I'll do after the break here, but I'm giving you the trigger warning now. The following is an extraordinarily insensitive, and its candor may cause some students to be highly offended. Symptoms of being confronted with viewpoints other than one's own may cause one to get the vapors, and students have even been known to collapse in a fainting spell upon reading offensive literature. Reader discretion is advised. Okay, so when I come back from the break, I'm going to give you his opening dialogue that he's now opening his classes with. This opening dialogue, my friends, you are going to love. It has students in a twit. It has his fellow faculty in a twit. And when you find out how and why he is, uh, shall we say, able to get away with it, as it were, you're going to love it. Trust me, you really are, because he's going to say what should have been said a long time ago. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. Danger to everyone he meets, he says a stranger with every move he makes, another chance to take. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is the proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. It is still Monday, November 9th, 2015. It is the 4 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. And for those of you joining us here for the, for the first time today in this hour, as I said before the break, 
I am going to share with you uh, Professor Mike Adams from the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and the speech that he gave to the beginning of his class here this uh, uh, past uh, semester or uh, past school year when it started. And, um, you know, and it's gone viral, my friends. This has been going all over the place. And, and because of that, I was like, I, I can't resist anymore. I got to share it with you. Of course, it does come with a trigger warning that uh, this may cause the thin-skinned and the politically correct among us to uh, go into hyperplexia, among other things. Well, we have only one thing to say to that. Get over it. So here's what he said. Mind you, this is highly non-politically correct, and I just love it. Here's what he said. Welcome back to class, students. I'm Mike Adams, your criminology professor here at UNC Wilmington. Before we get started with the course, I need to address an issue that is causing problems here at UNCW and in higher education all across the country. I'm talking about the growing minority of students who believe they have a right to be free from being offended. If we don't reverse this dangerous trend in our society, there will soon be a majority of young people who will need to walk around in plastic bubble suits to protect them in the event that they come into contact with a dissenting viewpoint. That mentality is unworthy of an, of an American. It's hardly worthy of a Frenchman. Let's get something straight right now. You have no right to be unoffended. You have a right to be offended with regularity. It is the price you pay for living in a free society. If you don't understand that, you are confused, and dangerously so. In part, I blame your high school teachers for failing to teach you basic civics before you got your diploma. Most of you went to the public high schools, which are a disaster. Don't tell me that offended you. I went to a public high school. Of course, your high school might not be the problem. It is entirely possible that the main reason why so many of you are confused about free speech is that piece of paper hanging on the wall right over there. Please turn your attention to that ridiculous document that is framed and hanging by the door. In fact, take a few minutes to read it before you leave class today. It is our campus speech code. It specifically says that there is a requirement that everyone must only engage in discourse that is respectful. That assertion is as ludicrous as it is illegal. I plan to have that thing ripped down from every classroom on campus before I retire. One of my grandfathers served in World War I, 
My step-grandfather served in World War II. My sixth great-grandfather enlisted in the American Revolution when he was only 13. These great men did not fight so we could simply relinquish our rights to the enemy within our borders. That enemy is the Marxists who run our public universities. If you are a Marxist and I just offended you, well, that's tough. I guess they don't make communists like they used to. Unbelievably, a student once complained to the department chairwoman that my mention of God and a creator was a violation of the separation of church and state. Let me be clear as I possibly can. If any of you actually think that my decision to paraphrase the Declaration of Independence in the course syllabus is unconstitutional, then you suffer from a severe intellectual hernia. Indeed, it takes hard work to become stupid enough to think that the Declaration of Independence is unconstitutional. If you agree with the student who made that complaint, then you are probably just an anti-religious zealot. Therefore, I'm going to ask you to do exactly three things and do them in the exact order I specify. First, get out of my class. You can fill out the drop slip over at James Hall. Just tell them you don't believe in true diversity and you want to be surrounded by people who agree with your twisted interpretation of the Constitution simply because they are the kind of people who will protect you from having your beliefs challenged or your feelings hurt. Second, withdraw from the university. If you find that you are actually relieved because you will no longer be in a class where your beliefs might be challenged, then you are not ready for college. Go get a job building houses so you can work with some illegal aliens who will help you gain a better appreciation of what this country has to offer. Finally, if that doesn't work, then I would simply ask you to get the hell out of the country. The ever-growing, thin-skinned minority you have joined is simply ruining life in this once great nation. Please, move to some place like Cuba, where you can enjoy the company of communists and get excellent health care. Just hop on a leaky boat and start paddling your way towards utopia. You will not be missed. End quote. Well, why is he able to address his students with such clarity of thought, truth, and facts? Well, because he just won a court victory against the school when he sued, asserting that he was not promoted due to his outspoken conservatism. Yes, my friends. And so with that, he gained instant tenure. So they can't fire him because he won a lawsuit against the university. Woo! That is powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
now, going from the sublime to the ridiculous, Muslims in Germany are saying, your children will pray to Allah or die. Yep, radical jihadi Muslims in Germany are warning their hosts what they can expect in the future. I have a picture here, my friends, of an overpass over the Autobahn, and it reads... Ihr Kinder wurden alle betten oder sterben, which means your children will pray to Allah or die. That's what it means there, my friends. The banner was stretched above uh, uh, an Audubon in single-filled Germany near a Mercedes factory. There was no claim of responsibility for the message, and the threat was not reported by the German media. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The media, however, has reported on opposition to the Muslim invasion in a negative light. From the German Express, we read, police in the besieged nation have been confronted with its worst period of violence and civil unrest since the days of Hitler's Nazis as anger over Angela Merkel's open-door policy reaches a boiling point. The specter of the 1930s Third Reich brown shirts looms large as far-right protesters are openly conducting running battles in the street, targeting refugees as well as journalists and politicians who support their cause in brutal attacks. Moderate politicians have been drowned out at rallies, and one was even stabbed in the throat by a neo-Nazi madman leading a top German magazine to declare... The hate is back. Security sources in Germany, which has taken in more immigrants and refugees than any other European country, say they've seen a sharp rise in violence linked to right-wing extremism in recent weeks. Well, meanwhile, violence and rape committed by illegal immigrants has been largely ignored. Gee, hmm, wow, who would have thunk, my friends? Coming to a country near you, if we don't pay attention, my friends. Here's a bit of history for you, my friends. I actually knew what the number was. Well, I was pretty close. Uh, not, I didn't have the exact number that this comes up with, but I was pretty close. So I want you to listen to this, and I'm going to then ask you a question. I want you to Firmly affix a number in your mind, but you've got to understand what the number is about. So when I do, I want you to firmly affix in your mind and see just how close you think you are. This is from Amazing Facts About Negroes in the United States. Number one, the question is, how many Africans were taken to the United States during the entire history of of the slave trade. Okay, take a moment, fix a number in your mind. How many Africans were taken to the United States during the entire history of the slave trade? Got it? Okay, keep that number in your brain. Now, this was written by Henry Louis Gates Jr., a very black man, okay? And he writes and says, Perhaps you, like me, were raised essentially to think of the slave experience primarily in terms of our black ancestors here in the United States. In other words, 
slavery was primarily about us, from Crispus Atticus to Phillips Weasley, Benjamin Banneker, and Richard Allen, all the way to Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, and Frederick Douglass. Think of this as an instance of what we might think of as African-American exceptionalism. In other words, if it's in the black experience, it's got to be about black Americans. Well, think again. The most comprehensive analysis of shipping records over the course of the slave trade is from the Transatlantic Slave Trade Database, edited by Professors David Altus and David Richardson. And while the editors were careful to say that all their figures are estimates, I believe they are the best estimates that we have, which makes this the proverbial gold standard in the field of the study of the slave trade. So, between 1525 and 1866, the entire history of the slave trade to the New World, according to the Transatlantic Slave Database, 12.5 million Africans were shipped to the New World. 10.7 million survived the dreaded Middle Passage, disembarking in North America, the Caribbean, and South America. How many of these 10.7 million Africans were shipped directly to North America? Now here's where I asked you to fix that number in your brain. How many do you think? Well, only 388,000. That's right, a tiny percentage. The overwhelming percentage of the African slaves were shipped directly to the Caribbean and South America. Brazil received 4.86 million African, uh, Africans alone. Some scholars estimate that another 60,000 to 70,000 Africans ended up in the United States after touching down in the Caribbean first, so that would bring the total to approximately 450,000 Africans who arrived in the United States over the course of the slave trade. And incredibly, most of the 42 million members of the African, I hate this term, African-American community, the black community, okay, hello, uh, descended from this tiny group of less than half a million Africans. That is amazing. And by the way, how did historian Joel A. Rogers, writer of the 1934 book 100 Amazing Facts about the Negro with Complete Proof and to whom the series is an uh, homage, how did he do on this question? Well, incredibly, in his Amazing Fact number 30, Rogers says about 12 million Negroes were brought to the New World. Not even W.E.B. Du Bois got this close to the most accurate count of the number of Africans shipped across the Atlantic in the slave trade. Yeah. Anyway, that was a rather interesting number. Just a little bit of history for you, my friends. Now back to the politics. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. He bashes as unregulated Uber. But guess what? He uses it for 100% of his taxi rides. So what's up with that, Bernie? 
From the Libertarian Republic, we read, Just a couple months ago, Bernie Sanders lambasted Uber as an unregulated company with serious problems. But financial disclosures by the Democrat presidential candidate revealed that whenever his campaign requires a taxi, they literally always turn to Uber. According to research done by National Journal, 100% of Sanders' spending on taxi and ride-sharing services was spent on Uber. There's another do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do movement, my friends. This is where you can really tell who the socialists are, because that's exactly the way they act, my friends. Do as I say, not as I do, because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. One last thing here, my friends, before we get into the link of links of interest. Um, <clears throat> Breitbart reports, East Chicago councilman reelected despite murder and drug charges. Yes, my friends, despite being arrested on murder and drug charges, an East Chicago City Councilman was re-elected to his office in last Tuesday's elections. East Chicago 3rd District Councilman Robert Coop Battle cruised to re-election even though he's accused in the October 12th shooting of Raimundo Carmelo Jr., and that isn't all. As the Munster Times reports, the councilman is also facing drug charges stemming from a traffic stop earlier in the year. Police say that Councilman Battle was found with 73 pounds of marijuana and more than $100,000 cash during a traffic stop in Porter County, Indiana. Even with all this legal trouble on his plate, no one filed to run against him, and he won re-election Tuesday with his unopposed candidacy. Still, some have been calling for him to resign his office due to his mounting troubles. But the councilman's attorney insisted that his client is insulted by the claims that he should resign. Quote, he is presumed innocent until proven guilty, attorney John Contrell said. Quote, if he is acquitted, he'll keep his job, end quote. Well, apparently Battle didn't even vote in his own election, as late County Sheriff John Boonich reported. Battle did not request an absentee ballot to vote from jail. The Associated Press reports, quote, Battle is seeking bail, and a November 17th hearing is planned. On Tuesday, a Lake County judge granted prosecutors' request for DNA mouth swab from Battle, end quote. Yep. Like I say, friends, only in Chicago? <laughs> yeah, wow. Mm. Okay, links of interest. Number 10. This is what socialism will do for you. $113 for a large order of fries. Yep, McDonald's French fries return to socialist Venezuela. Like I say, only cost you 113 bucks. You know, I find it real difficult, my friends, to look back and think how I went down to Venezuela to try and talk to them at their invitation, mind you. And I had the State Department saying, you can't go down there because you don't have a visa from them. And I said, watch me. And I went down there. And uh, 
met with uh, some of their people down there, along with other people. I wasn't the only one, my friends, but I went down there, met with them and some other people, and we talked about instituting gold and silver as a golden, literally gold and silver uh, standard. You know, no more paper currency at all. And I was really excited about that. I thought, uh, you know, Hugo was going to do it, you know. Uh, I was fooled. What can I say? He he didn't do it, obviously. But, boy, he sure was making the noises like he wanted to do. Well, he went the opposite direction, toward pure socialism. And now we're seeing the results of it years and years later. $113 if you want a large order of fries. But it is going to be a large order, okay? Yeah. Number nine. Both Maryland and New York have ended their ballistic fingerprinting after spending millions on the programs with zero crimes solved because of it. You want to read this article, my friends, because it's a great example of waste in government. Number eight, after an unnamed female teacher at a respectable preparatory school in Cairo failed a group of male students on their final exam because she caught them cheating, they decided to exact revenge after school in a horrific way. It's just more news about that peaceful and loving institution known as Islam, my friends. Number seven, the headline says it all. PC police want you to stop saying juvenile delinquents. Instead, use justice-involved youth. Yeah, that's that's really going to solve the problem. That that's it. It's it's because we've been calling juvenile delinquents. That's been the problem all this time. If we just stop calling them juvenile delinquents and just call them justice-involved youth, you know, it would it would solve everything, right? What? It wouldn't. What do you mean it wouldn't, you bigoted person, you? How dare you think that? Uh, uh, it's it's the right thing to do. Uh, I'm sorry, I just can't pull it off. (laughs) I just can't be a PC whiner. What can I say? Number six, California Attorney General Kamala Harris, who is running for the United States Senate, may be investigated by the Fair Political Practices Commission after the agency received an anonymous tip that gifts she received may have exceeded legal limits. Wow, who would have seen that one coming? Number five, Trump has released his first paid political campaign ads, and they definitely didn't disappoint, my friends. You've got to follow the link here and get to them. They're actually pretty darn good. And as he said, uh, he's not had to run ads because uh, his message speaks for himself. Well, he's decided evidently that now he needs to start to. Um, number four. Courts have now come out and said that police cannot force Christians to shut up just because Muslims are violent to them. In the opinion, they cited that there's the heckler's veto, a concept of one person or group silencing others by violence. And that is not acceptable. The ones that need to be removed are the ones inciting the violence, the hecklers. Number three, 
In a state where only one other Republican has served as governor over the past 40 years, Republican Matt Bevin defied the polls and defeated Democrat opponent Jack Conway 53 to 44% in the race for Kentucky governor, and the libs are going apoplectic. In fact, if you look at this race here, my friends, and you don't even have to look at it very hard, you will see that they are calling it that the Tea Party is coming out, and the Tea Party is back, and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, oh my goodness, really? (laughs) Wow. Number two, an atheist professor said, that it's acceptable to criticize Christians, but not Muslims. Why? Because he does not fear retaliation from the Christians. That's why. That's why it's okay to disparage Christians, but Islam is off limits, because, well, he does not fear retaliation from the Christians. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. And finally, number one, Harry Reid blocks Kate's law, a pull quote. It is sad that the Democrat leader chooses to stand with violent criminal illegal aliens instead of the American citizens. But even sadder is that he impugns legal immigrants, end quote. That was Ted Cruz in retaliation or rebuttal of Speaker Harry Reid blocking Kate's law. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Okay. Critical thinking segment. Enumerated powers. The U.S. Constitution lays out the specific purposes of Congress. To regulate commerce with other nations and between the states. Naturalization and immigration. Bankruptcy regulation. Minting currency. Post offices and postal roads. Copyrights and patents tribunals inferior to the superior court, definition and punishment of piracy and felonies, declaration of war, military defense, establishment of a capital city. That's it. And in support of all this, they are granted the enumerated power of revenue generation through taxation, tariff, and debt, establishment of necessary and proper laws, rules, and regulation. That's it, my friends. Nothing else. Notice that nowhere in this list do you find ideas like health care, education, space exploration, welfare, domestic spying, abortion, hoarding of land, retirement savings, etc. You don't find those. The Tenth Amendment regulates all other powers and rights to the states and the citizens. That's it. There's, there's your critical thinking segment for you, my friends. When we come back from the upcoming break... I'm gonna. We're gonna have this Roy School of Guerrilla Lawfare, and I'm going to go back to what we opened up the show with, but from a psychological standpoint. So you're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back.
Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and...
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.